2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount
1: using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee is 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t Booze
3: for Ben Simmons as
4: he checks in for the first time tonight. His third time playing here. Played in both
5: games here last season. Jody, they're not saying "loo," they're saying "boo." (laughs) Uh, That was last night. Uh, That's the uh, Yes Network's uh, version last night. As Ben Simmons, in case case you missed it, Ben Simmons comes in um, with the Brooklyn Nets last night as a, a Sixers squad missing. Four key players, including Joel Embiid, for the long term. We'll talk about that, including Tobias Harris with an illness, hopefully for the short term. Uh, Show no skill, no juice. That's Nick Nurse's words. No juice and fall by 15 to the New York Nets. Um, Jody, I I understand it's one loss in April, and I guess we just write that off as an understandable one. No, I wouldn't go
3: there. I I think that Nick Nurse kind of hit the nail on the head. That's not a good sign. I, I watched too much of yesterday's game. I couldn't continually watch it because it was too depressing. They were so bad. Uh, I, I flipped over to a horse race or to the senior ball. Bo- I don't even know what I turned, to, uh, turned my channel to. Uh, the Knicks and the Lakers hadn't started yet, so I don't know exactly what I went. Maybe it was golf. Just anything to get off the Sixer game. They got abused. Yeah. And Nick Nurse is dead on right. They showed no life whatsoever. And that's almost tough to believe on a team that's got Tyrese Maxey because he brings so much juice and so much light to every game he plays. Even he couldn't overcome what his teammates were putting out or not putting out down there yesterday. It was flat-out ugly. And the only slack I may cut them is they'd gotten the news earlier in the day that Joel's injury was worse than uh, uh, originally hoped for. Yeah. Maybe that just took
5: the air out of the balloon because they brought
3: nothing to the table last night.
5: So the highlight becomes Ben Simmons, uh, Lazarus, rising from the dead, playing, uh, I guess, his second game back, his third return to Philadelphia. Um, And a question I'll ask you, and I certainly want to ask our audience this. One One of our colleagues here at the station posted that Ben deserved a round of applause last night for what he accomplished, what he did here. I guess, I mean, he won the Rookie of the Year. He, he took him to the playoffs, if, if you recall. Didn't play in him. But the question becomes, should the fans soften on Ben Simmons? So I will ask you, as well as our audience, did he deserve I – guess, I guess we started this with Trey Turner. Did Ben deserve a round of applause last night?
3: Um, in a word, no. Thank you. Um but I'm I'm not – was it a little overreacting last night? I guess on a night where your team is stinking up the joint, you're looking to let out some emotion. That was a pretty good. You could hear it on a broadcast, and that's the replay of a television that died after, but I heard it as well. They, they let into him pretty good. Here's my stance on Ben Simmons right now. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not there to boo him. I'm sure as hell not there to cheer him. You want to put the two things on the scale and say you must react one way or the other. I'm certainly going to choose booing over cheering. What he did for us, what he did for us was massively underachieve as the first overall pick in the draft. What he did for us was absolutely slam dunk his way out of town. What he did for us was be a diva basically his entire time here. So am I going, oh, my God, he won Rookie of the Year. So what? Ben The Ben Simmons era here in Philadelphia was an epic fail. So I'm not about to give him a golf clap because he spent a couple of years here, or even the fact that he, Ben Simmons turned into Harden, which turned into usable part. The whole go-round is like a push to me. And I don't want to react to it one way or the other. I'm not Mm going to boo him unmercifully because it's water under the bridge now and the Nets are screwed because he plays intermittently at best for them. So I'm not going to go nuts on either. He's Ben Simmons. He's an afterthought in the NBA. Why would we get worked up about him either way?
5: Well the reason to get worked up. By the way that was brilliantly said by you. I enjoyed every moment of that. Uh and, and the only thing and the only thing that I would add to everything that you said of his legacy here was he also held that the franchise hostage for the last year. Yeah. I mean just like you know the the whole thing was in limbo while he you know he he was hurt and then he wasn't hurt and then he couldn't play because of mental health issues and then he just like he showed up at practice with a cell phone in his pocket during the scrimmage and he was he was he was awful and he and he just he he, he tried to destroy a, a season of theirs. So my inclination is to do what what the fans did last night and here's this is another version from TV. This is our our pal Kate Scott and Ala last night enjoying the moment. As Ben Simmons was introduced into the game.
1: And uh, guess who's checking in on
5: I
6: can't tell. Oh, wait.
2: Now I can. I can hear the boos clearly.
1: Welcome back
6: to South Philadelphia, Ben Simmons.
2: You say it like you mean it.
6: Did I?
5: Sounded like you did. (laughs) (laughs) Clear they haven't let it go, Jody. Um,
3: (laughs) Which both you and I are big fans of Kate Nala. Yeah. And Kate didn't live it as much as others did. So... I, I I'm not going to put much thought process into Kate's stance. And I, I, I and she follows the NBA before she got here. She's on top of everything. I'm not saying she doesn't know uh, what the whole Simmons, Simmons ordeal was, but she wasn't part of it. She wasn't a Sixer announcer at that time, wasn't a Sixer fan, didn't deal with all the BS that us Sixer fans did. So uh, she can certainly have a stance, but I'm not going to be moved by it either way. Here, here's what typifies Ben Simmons to me more than anything else, Glenn. It kind of says it all. You know what I'll remember most about the Ben Simmons era here in Philadelphia? Video of him making jump shots yeah, unguarded <laughs> in a high school gym yeah. on social media during the offseason. Every year. This is the year. Every ben year. Ben has found his jump shot. Ben is going to be an offensive force this year. Self-created social media buzz, which was BS personified. That's what I will remember about Ben Simmons more than anything else.
5: Yeah. Actually, he put a video last week uh, pending his return to the Nets of him in a gym dunking. We know he he, dunked. Nobody. Just dunking by himself. (laughs) Dunking. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, you talk about all those practice shots he took in the gym to develop his stroke. Last night, 13 minutes, uh, nine uh, no, nine rebounds, five assists. So that, like that's impressive. Or to have that backwards, nine assists, five rebounds. I forget. One or the other. So he, he got there. Zero shots attempted. Yeah. Zero shots attempted. And I think that his thing was, I'm reading his mind. I know that's not always fair to do in this case. I'm pretty confident he didn't want to take a shot and miss because he didn't want to hear from the crowd at, if, if, if that occurred. Oh, absolutely right. You are 100% right on that. He
3: heard the booze rain down just when he was announced. And if he takes any shot from anywhere, he might have (laughs) – this is funny. uh, Rather than pass off like he did against the Atlanta Hawks, he might have, if he had an unquestioned dunk, done that, since he'd done all his pre-work dunking against nobody uh, on video. Maybe he would have done that if he had a breakaway play. But other than that, if he was going to be contested, he did not want to uh, miss a shot and face the wrath of Sixer fans.
5: Yeah. By the way, I need to talk. Justin Morgenstern is our producer today. Morgan Stein. Excuse me, Justin. I always get that backwards. Uh, I just sent you a cut of Ben Simmons' reaction. I'm going to ask you to play that in just one second. Jody, Some some bad exits from town you forget. Um, and you just kind of move on, as you said. This is one I don't think I ever will, and I don't think this fan base ever will. And it's because of what was promised and what was delivered, what was invested in that first round pick, what the people. And and I'm not I'm not mocking process fans, but the process fans thought like this is going to be the guy. This you know oh, we, yeah. we this is going to be the guy who's going to make all the difference. And now we have won. Now the process has succeeded, and he let them down. He he destroyed that process more than I think anybody did. Markel Fultz was a disappointment, but he was just not as good as people thought he was going to be. This is a guy who really didn't have the interest and fortitude in becoming the player he could have played. And so this, to me, is a bad exit I will not forget. I was listening to the pregame show, and Mark Jackson uh, was on, he summed it up Mm -hmm. well. He said, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, the way the departure went, People in this town will never forget that last season of him sulking around, carrying his cell phone in practice. This is more me than Mark, but this is kind of what he was talking about. Getting healthier only to say he wasn't mentally prepared to be part of the team. People here will never forget that. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't, but again, uh, I guess we disagree. I don't care. Yeah, that's I have good. moved on. Well, you've always been a bigger man than I have in that regard.
3: <laughs> it's not really that's not true, but in this case, it it was so bad and so painful and so annoying. I, I maybe I'm um, um face forward here, and we'll get them beating his injury in yeah. a second. <laughs> face forward does that next, good. Nest poke in the eye. Thank you very much. Um, I I just want to put the Ben Simmons era behind me. And just forget about it. I don't want to – and you and I were both anti-process guys. I was actually okay with it at the beginning. The concept of it was fine. Mm -hmm. Rebuilding is rebuilding. You want to go a little further in rebuilding the most – okay. The level that they took it down to annoyed the snot out of me, and that's when I became anti-process. I I just want to forget that. I want to move on. I want to think about days where the Sixers actually have a legit chance – uh-oh, displaced flap of meniscus. Yeah. Is that what's going to smack me in my face? A displaced flap of uh, meniscus. Yes, you're
5: going to get slapped by the flap. I just want to play one more Ben thing, and then I promise I will allow you to move on, although I will ask our audience's opinion at 215 This was Ben Simmons' uh, reaction to the crowd after the game. This is, what, is my second, third time back? So it's a little mm-hmm. different now. Um... It's funny to me. It's like, I got grown men pissed off and, and yelling at me, you know? It's like, I go home after
7: this, get to win. Like, for me, I'm, I'm all about winning. So, come here and do our job and, and get to go home. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's fun. Like, I enjoy that. You know, it's not that deep you know, in sports, but it comes with it. So, I enjoy it.
5: I think he's lying, by the way. Yeah. All about winning. I don't think he When does, I play you know, once I... every
3: three weeks. Yeah. Uh, when, when I could actually get out there on the floor. um I'm sorry. I I take nothing Ben Simmons says to Art.
5: I think he hears every boo, every whistle. I think he's a very sensitive person who who knows exactly what people feel about him and thus takes zero shots in 13 minutes. Uh, Okay, so as we said, the Sixers lose badly last night, very little effort. Uh, Maxie and Obrego combined 11 for 37. Which brings us back to Joel Embiid, and as you said yesterday afternoon, new reporting from The Athletic, Shams, who's been pretty accurate on this stuff, says the latest injury is a, quote, displaced flap in the meniscus of his left knee. There are several options. One of them is surgery to remove the flap. By the way, I I had that surgery many, many years ago. Really, did you? Oh, yeah, it was... It was the second of my 10 knee surgeries, so if that's an indicator, that's two knees, by the way, not one, but yeah, uh, if that's an indicator of the future, I would say in my case that didn't go particularly well. Um, The other option is to kind of try to wait it out, rest and rehab and hope that, Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, when do the playoffs start, late April, when do the playoffs start, yeah, late yeah. April. yeah, okay, it's so late you got April. February, March, you know you got you know a good ten eleven weeks, you just hope that sometime between now and then the thing kind of heals up on its own, or the pain stops, or you go through a procedure that will cause him to uh, miss extended time i'm I'm not going to venture a medical opinion on that. I'm, I imagine you don't want to do that either. Did but... you have the
3: doc on yesterday? We or did. Was that
5: before the No, it's before we down. knew that specific. Oh. Yeah, well, but we knew. I mean, still his prognosis was generally the same. His prognosis was it's a meniscus injury. We didn't know the specific meniscus injury, and he said the options are you can get a procedure or you can try to wait it out, and you have to wait till the swelling goes down and see how it plays out and so on. But I, I don't think it really changed. It's... You're really kind of up in the air for a while, and then it's, I think it's his call whether he wants to undergo surgery or not, and surgery is never fun. I can, I can tell you that. Um, but my question to you about what the Sixers do is not so much what do they, you know, what, what's the course of action with Embiid, but trade deadlines you know, right around the corner here. Do you make a move? Do you hold? Do you punt on the season? Jody Mack, what do you do? Well, the one thing you don't do, and I
3: do believe this was at least a possibility if the deal was right. I'll say this about Daryl Morey. He's, uh, you can like him, you can dislike him, you can have whatever feeling you like about him. He's got a grasp of what's going on in the NBA. Do I think he had a man crush on James Harden and misplayed some of the James Harden situation? Because of, it? yeah, I do. Um, But he's got a good grasp on the direction the NBA is going, what a player is worth, what you should pay for him, what you shouldn't pay for him. I think he's a very good guy at judging the room in the NBA. And I think there was a distinct possibility that they could have made a trade that would have helped them in the short run for just this year, a rental-type player, give up future assets to add a key piece and make a legit run at being able to beat Milwaukee or Boston in the East and get to an NBA final. Now, if you ask me, that is completely off the table. With uh, Embiid's ins- uncertainty, you don't do that. That that could turn out to be a horrendously bad deal. You were banking on adding that new piece to Embiid and Maxi playing at the top of their game, All right, let's go to war and take our chances this year, even though we know we're going to pay the price for it down the line.
7: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and is your reward. medella the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
5: Sorry. Yeah, so you hold. Yeah. You don't trade you don't sell, but you hold. Right.
3: And and maybe you even I wouldn't sell either. You're right. But if there's a trade that can be made that will pay dividends past the end of 2024, you're acquiring a guy that you're going to go forward with, I'd still have those conversations. It becomes that much more difficult to do with him sitting on the sidelines, but you never know. Maybe something falls into your lap. So I I wouldn't just change my number prior to the trade deadline, but a lot of the trades they may have already done some groundwork on uh, have probably gone by the boards because of this injury.
5: They're now 4-10 without him. Or maybe five and ten. They won the other day, so they're five and ten without him, and that that ain't a good trend at all. All right, let's talk to the people two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Zach and Royersford starts us out. Hey Zach. Hey gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning
8: hey. Zach. Hey Jody, I'm sorry, buddy. You just you got to give me thirty seconds to rip Ben Simmons. All right, that's I just Go need ahead. thirty from that's
3: you. That's fine. I, hey, I'm just <laughs> I'm talking about me. You guys do whatever the hell you need
6: to do.
8: Listen, I just I think in order for you to accomplish what you want to accomplish, that man has to be out of the league entirely. Um, because every time he comes to Philadelphia, I hope he gets booed the way he got booed last night times five. I think that guy is just the epitome of what the NBA is today. Soft, fragile, no defense. I, I, I think the NBA is a bad product entirely, but I think Ben Simmons – is one of the headliners for why it is the fact that these people still support this guy after in my eye, in my mind, lying about the, I mean, just, just lying about the passion he has for the game, lying about the, you know, I have friends who have real mental illnesses and depression this guy doesn't have none of this nonsense. He has all the money in the world. He's flaunting his his colors on the sidelines. He plays when he wants to play. He he half-asses things. Like it's he's just so goofy and a prima donna. He's he's just a weird guy. Like you just played a clip earlier where he, Oh, I'm all about winning. Since when? You've won nothing. You won you've won nothing. You've won yeah. nothing when you were in Philadelphia. You choked in one of the in, in a playoff game that we easily could have won. You've done nothing. And every time you come back, it's some stupid highlight reel or some stupid video of you shooting threes, dunking on air, you know, doing all this crazy stuff pretending you're like Mike. And you do nothing when you come into the league. Absolutely nothing. You shouldn't be in the league. We don't want to see you. And every time you come to Philadelphia,
5: you're getting booed, brother. Get used to it. Zach, I think that was brilliant. Jody, I, I, got, I, have I, got, I got no problems
3: with anything he said. I have Thank zero you, problems. It's just me. I've, I, I'm attempting to move on. But if someone else is still holding tight to that disdain, more power to you, brother. I'm, I'm not trying to move people toward move. I'm just giving my own personal stance that it, it's been so frustrating and so uh, just draining
5: that I've given up on booing Ben Simmons. I understand. I, but, you know, you can, uh, you can what, move on. I, I can move on when he's not here. But when he comes to town, baby, give me that opportunity. What what I
3: can't understand is you mentioned ESP at the top. Give him a cheer? That just doesn't register. That's what I would boo. If I went to a Sixer game and Ben Simmons was out there and he was announced and someone next to me was cheering
5: him, I would boo them for cheering him. <laughs> you would have to over-account over, uh, o- over account for what they're, Overcompensate. their mistakes. Yes, yeah, I would compensate yes. I you. would
3: look the guy right in the eye and boo him uh, <laughs> hard. <laughs> hard. Well,
5: Elliot's probably at the station next week, yeah. so you can find him just boo him. Boo this man. Uh let's think of Matthew from Deptford. Hello, Matthew.
2: Yeah, what's going on, fellas?
5: We're hey, good. Yo, Glenn, I'm real quick,
2: the Iron Claw.
5: You
8: gotta see this movie. I told you this a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I yeah, I will li- try
5: to get to it. Yep, yep. I haven't gotten it's, out to the movies uh recently. Well, listen, you
2: know you know how the movies work now. It'll be on demand in a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'll be I'll be
5: there. Keep reminding me because I, I will get to it and, and I appreciate your recommendation.
2: Great movie. Great movie. Listen, first of all, real quick, uh Ben Simmons. Listen, he doesn't care about basketball. He just cares about all the ancillary things that come with basketball—the the money, the cars, and the women. That's you know. So he's going to play basketball just well enough so he can get paid and keep that lifestyle up. But
9: listen, on the Sixers, right? <clears throat> Let me ask y'all a question: Is it wrong that I bet against the Sixers last night?
7: <laughs> From I'm sorry. Say standpoint? that again. I didn't hear is you. Is it
6: wrong? Is it wrong of me as a diehard hard Sixers fan that I bet against the Sixers last night?
5: Oh, you bet. Uh because
8: Jody,
6: this, I, man, I because... don't,
5: I would, I never bet against my my own uh, rooting interests. I don't but know listen, how you feel about this it. This
9: is where I separate my heart from my head. I knew they was coming off a five-game Western trip, and
2: then coming back home, and the line was only two and a half points, so I, I had to take the money. All right, you good on I mean? you.
3: Uh, you do need to do that if you're going to be. And some people bet just for fun, five bucks here, ten bucks there. Other people are actually trying to make a significant uh, positive out of it and and add money to a bank account. If you're that type of player, that you're taking it very seriously, you're just
5: not doing it for a little action during the game, damn straight you bet against a hometown team when you think you're going to win. So when you do that, you watch the game and you root against your team? Yeah. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm not about that. Listen, but whatever. People do whatever they like. I, I, don't, I bear them no ill will. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you money. 215-592-9494. All right, so we open with that. We'll talk about Ben Simmons. We'll talk about the Sixers. We'll talk about the the future with and without Embiid. We're going to get into some uh, Eagles and Super Bowl conversation coming up. 11 o'clock. Jody, it's been so long since we talked hot stove. Todd Zalecki is going to join us. Cool. Yeah, very nice. Philly's hot stove has been pretty cold, but maybe Todd will say something's coming down the pike. Noon, we'll talk to our old friend Mike Garofolo about Eagles and league issues. Uh, so we've got all of that. And your calls at 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn now on 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn now Sunday morning, 94 WIP, Mac and Mac. On the off week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, uh, let's just talk about that for a minute or two. We'll get to the calls at 215-592-9494. Who were who you rooting for there last week there, Jody? Um,
3: rooting for? Yeah. I wasn't rooting for anybody. Um, As per our last put call, money on? <laughs> I had a couple of wagers down. Yeah, that's who you're rooting for. I took the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on the money line. I thought they were going to win the game, and they did. Um, So I was right about that one, did well with that. That last touchdown, that oh-by-the-way touchdown Mm -hmm. uh, that cut the lead from 10 to 3 was costly for yours truly because I I like the line. And not just you, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that, that one pained a little bit um i'm I'm, I'm an eagle fan i'm a jet fan i'm not a Kansas City chief san francisco 49er the one guy i'm kind of a fan of is brock purdy Mm -hmm. Mm because i still am annoyed every time i hear a national pundit go he's a game manager he's a system quarterback he is absolutely positively moved past that i saw a great feature um Do you watch – no, you're you're always on here on Sunday mornings. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, depending on BetQL. When BetQL is not here on – do you watch ESPN's Sunday morning show?
5: I don't. I do. Um, I'm not a fan of ESPN, by and large.
3: uh, There are certain things ESPN does that I'm not a fan of, but by and large, I would say I am an ESPN fan. And I think the uh, Sunday morning show is good. Rex Ryan is guaranteed to say something foolish and stupid every single week. And I just love and wait for it every single week as well. Well, the, one of their new ads this year is Alex Smith, the former NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he's very good. He's, uh, he's always been a smart guy. I, in, I interviewed him two days before the draft when he was Really? Picked. Yes. Wow. I was working between one of many different gigs I've had at many different outlets. I was working for SiriusXM at the time, on, and I was filling in on the NFL channel.
5: And oh, I thought you meant two days before his draft. His draft, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Oh, way back then you were working for, then, for that. Way back then, yeah. Okay, I was, okay. I was
3: working for Sirius. I was on the NFL Channel I all right, got full you. time, but I did fill in stuff for him. And it just so happened that I was in studio the day he got in a day before all the other draft picks did. They bring in all the draft. This was back when the draft was still in New York every single year, and that's where Sirius' studios were. And he came in studio because he was there the day before, and they set it up to bring him in. And just happened to fall. His schedule matched up with the show that I was hosting. So I kind of, like, backed in the chance to talk to a guy who I thought was going to be about the, oh, eighth or ninth pick in the draft.
5: I know. And he ended
3: up being number one.
5: Yeah. Small hands and all as they were saying at the time
3: right passed on a guy by the name of aaron Rodgers, uh who sat around and waited uh, uh, the next day to get passed over and passed over and passed over but he came in studio i had a chance to talk to him 15 20 minutes you could tell then that he was a really bright guy i think that helped make him the number one pick that he was a smart guy knew knew everything about football knew what his place was going to be in the league uh, so he was doing a feature last week and he said i, I like when guys are self-facing uh, he mm-hmm. said, if you look up system quarterback, if you look up game manager in the dictionary, my picture may very well be there. <laughs> and he was dead on right. That's what Alex Smith was for his entire career, a really good game manager. Alex Smith never led the league in passer rating. Mm-mm. Alex Smith never uh, had a 4-0, and oh, if you don't count the two possessions that Purdy played against the Eagles last year in the championship game. He's 4-0 in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He's played four playoff games. Two years running, he's had the best passer rating in the NFL. A game manager doesn't do that. A system quarterback doesn't do that. This kid is a flat-out winner and has many aspects to his game, and he's going to go up against the best quarterback in the National Football League next week, and I don't think he's going to embarrass himself. So I don't root for any of the teams, but I am kind of a Purdy fan.
5: Okay. Well, I rooted for the Lions last week because, I mean, the Lions have never been in the Super Bowl. And it was a great story this year. And I like the coach. And I lived in Detroit before I moved to Philadelphia. And I just know how those fans have suffered. They they are the only team that has continuously had a franchise since the Super Bowl started in, what, 66 and has never been to the Super Bowl. By the way, people will say, well, what about Cleveland? And if you remember, not by its own fault, Cleveland lost its franchise for a couple of years. But the Lions in Cleveland have never made the Super Bowl. So I was rooting for the Lions and those fans, and I thought just thought that was such a great story. Uh, and I was kind of rooting for Baltimore, and I know it falls into the shallowness of myself maybe in some sports. Fan. I'm just kind of tired of Kansas City. I just want to see a different story. Uh, I am not an Andy hater. I Andy Reid, I'm happy for him um it's but as as a fan do you root for greatness do you root for the records do you root for for andy and the chiefs going for the dynasty status or do you root for something new and different or do you as you say just not care
3: here's uh here's how i look at it uh you the question you asked me as a fan as a fan no i'll stick with i don't care if it's not my team i always i have to
5: root for somebody
3: however as a sports talk show host I do have interest because what I think is going to make for the best conversation on the air is something I will root for. If I think it's going to give me a chance to do better shows and get into better debates and have more fun on the air, oh, I'll root for that. And I know there's uh, only X amount of us in the world that does this. It seems to be an ever-growing number, but it is still just X amount. Um, Yeah, I I do factor that into my rooting interest.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. There has been a conversation in this town for, well, for a while, but certainly kicked up over the last week. Um, And I know uh, Joe DeCamera did it a lot on the morning show. If Andy had stayed, what would life have been if Andy had never left? Andy's a great coach. Andy may end up going down as the best coach of all time, depending on how long he chooses to stick around. He's clearly at this point – in the top four or five of all time, you can't take that away from him um but I believe, and I guess I'll seek your opinion on this. It wouldn't have worked the same if he had stayed there stayed here. excuse me. he was here for I believe it was thirteen years. He was great for most of those years at the end. let us not forget it was cooked. he was cooked it was done he 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 was going through some family things that I think. Going away, leaving Philadelphia, taking the time away was a, was a needed thing for him. I think that his um his his staff had really declined to the point where he, he didn't have a good assistant coaching staff and the he wasn't gonna just fire all those guys and bring in the new guys that he brought into Kansas City. Um I think that if you remember the year before he left, he was four and eight before kind of having some bogus wins at the end. And then that led to the last year was just awful. Things were on their course. He was great here. He was a great coach here, but it had to end. He had to leave. And I would say we we just need to stop with the Andy Reid sentimentality. Oh, if he had stayed. By the way, the Eagles won the the only Super Bowl the Eagles ever won. They won without him. And they got back there last year without him. So I think this Andy sentimentality is a little foolish.
3: I, um, I'd say about 98% agree with you. And the thing that I agree most with is this is real revisionist history. That we're leaving out chunks of what uh, the end was when Andy Reid left. And you mentioned his family, and I do think that was a big part of it. The other thing that I would put in the mix is we talked about this a lot over the last month and change, the phrase, he lost the locker room. Mm -hmm. people believed that Nick Sirianni had lost the locker room, that the players had tuned him out, that he just wasn't getting through to them anymore. And I'm not sure if he did or didn't. And I've talked to guys who talked to guys who were in that locker room and on the record, off the record type stuff. The Eagles believed that Nick Sirianni did not lose the locker room, although a whole bunch of Eagle Nation believes he did. Well, you better hope not because he's coming back for another year, guys. Um Andy absolutely had lost the locker room. You do something for as long as he did, mm-hmm. and it just starts to ring stale. Yep. And the people just forget that, or they just don't want to acknowledge that to make the argument that, oh, if we had kept Andy Reid, look what he's done, it would have equated to here in Philadelphia – I don't know that. You don't know that. And would Andy Reid have been able to acquire uh, Patrick Mahomes for the Philadelphia Eagles? Without knowing the answer to that question, I'm not going down the revisionist history route of, oh, my God, they should have kept Andy Reid.
5: Yeah. Uh, Well said. All right, let's go. uh, And thanks for your patience. Carl and Maple Shade, are with us. What's on your mind, Carl?
9: Oh, good morning, guys. Your topic is right on my point. Go for it. Um, I'm Jeffrey Lurie. And I say to myself, I can't have this going on any longer. The coach has lost his respect, and the first thing I'm going to do is empower my coach. Before I make any position moves, I'm going to have my offensive coordinator, when the time is appropriate, to come on and say, Nick gave me the keys of the car. I got it 80% of the way. But that's why we have a head coach, because Nick helps me complete my plan. Both sides of the ball. I'm nipping in the bud. Everybody that says, what does Nick do? Mm -hmm. No. First thing I'm going to do is empower this coach.
5: And how do you do that? Just by saying
9: it? How do you do that? Well, if offensive coordinators get their chance publicly to get a response, they could say Nick gave okay, me to the okay. You're saying the the
5: coordinators declare it to the players so that there's no uh, public doubt about put
9: a it. Yes. Okay. And, and empower Nick and get him in a dominant position. I don't want to see this team. Go on with this. What does Nick do? Yeah. No, no. I I Wayne. hear you,
5: and I think, and Carl, thanks for the call. I think Jody, that's kind of just the thought of the moment that, like, well, if he's not doing this, he's not doing that. Is he? Is he just a potted plant? Um, I'm not sure exactly the parameters of what involvement he's going to have with the offense, or, and and you know, he said with the defense, I'll I'll go to some meetings that I don't think that quote helped him. No. But in terms of what's he going to do and how would a coach who is is neither the offensive coordinator or the defense coordinator, how is he involved? I'll go back to last week as an example. If you look at that Detroit game when uh, Dan Campbell made some decisions to go for it on fourth down that uh, unfortunately cost him big time. Now, he'd been doing that all year and it worked to his advantage. I'm not debating the merits of whether or not he should have done it at the time. I kind of was split on that, one yes, one what are you doing. But um, that's the head coach's call, and those, yep. those decisions won or, in that case, lost that game.
3: And I think it was my buddy Tim McManus who asked that question at the press conference when they added, Well, then what are you going to be doing, Nick? Uh, oh, I might show up at some defensive meetings. You're right. Yeah. Dumb. That was not good. Um, here would be my response. I'm going to do what I did this past year. I'm just going to do it better because he's been a full-blown CEO coach since he turned the play calling over to uh, Shane Steichen eight games into his NFL head coaching career. And he said, yeah, let me step back. Let me let somebody else do this. Let me take over the entire team. Well, he's definitely doing that now. The only difference is he had to admit the offense because he was pretty outspoken about this. He said it several times. Uh, you know, my buddy John McMullen is there every day. Mm-hmm. He, uh, my Uh, On the record and off the record, this is my offense. It doesn't matter if Shane Steichen's calling plays or Brian Johnson or Howie Roseman or Glenn Now, This is my offense. He's not saying that anymore because his offense went down in flames this year, and he decided to give Brian Johnson as much latitude as he did, and it didn't work. So, yeah, he got called on the carpet by his uh, bosses and said, we need to make changes. We think this change would work bringing in an offensive coordinator and him bringing in his own fresh ideas and going with that. Nick said, okay, fine. Yeah, that. if that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. Uh, but other than that, he's the same coach he was. He was the CEO coach ahead of time. Yeah. So he's the CEO coach now. What's the difference?
5: Well, that there's a new offense. Correct. Which I'm, I mean, your, your bottom line point is, yes, I agree with you, and I will be very interested to see how more changes, the what the offense becomes. Because the offense got so awful those last seven games. Just so, so terrible. Uh, I'll ask you a question I asked Mike Sealski yesterday, and it's something I'm going to be thinking about into the fall. The Eagles brought him back. Nick's coming back. He's got our endorsement. He's the guy. You know that when the stories start coming out, and we'll ask Mike Garofalo about this when we have him on at noon, Um you know, who who's the most vulnerable coach in the NFL? Who's the first coach to be fired? Who's the one with the target on his back? I think he goes into the season wearing that target. Now, he can step away from it if the Eagles start out three and one. Mm-hmm. It'd be, it, you know, what's going to be interesting is to see when the schedule comes out, like what are their first four opponents? Do they get that nice cushy schedule they had at the start of last year or do they have right. to go through the hell at the middle of the year? Because if he starts out one and three, I don't know that he survives that. Um, Jeff has not fired a coach midseason, other than you know when he when he had to push Chip away with one game to go, right? But I don't, I, I think having, particularly having Fangio on staff, gives you that insurance policy of okay, this is a guy who coached in the head coach in the NFL. I know Fangio wasn't all that successful at it, but he knows how to do it. Oh, here's what if if we're doing hypotheticals.
3: Mm-hmm. And it, let's say it does go bad, 1-3, 6-9, uh, not making a plap but whenever the plug needs to be pulled, I'll tell you it's probably it, – uh, it will be very much dictated by how – what side of the ball is doing well. If the Eagles' defense is improved and the offense is still stagnant and the new ideas aren't as fresh as they were supposed to be, then it could be Fangio. If the offense is doing well and the defense isn't holding up their end of the bargain and Howie Roseman didn't get Fangio the upgrade and talent that he needs, I think Kellen Moore could be that guy. Because they actually uh, talked to Kellen Moore about the job when Sirianni got it. Yeah, They actually interviewed him for it. Uh, Vic Fangio is a senior coach, and he did get his one shot at being a head coach, and it went pretty damn poorly. Um and if you do like both of the coaches and are thinking about keeping them both with a new head coach that you're going to hire during the offseason, you don't want the stench of not doing well at the back end of the season on one of those two guys. Uh, my my money would be Sirianni's going to make it through the whole year. But if you're telling me he's not, I think there's just a good a chance that Kellen Moore's
5: the next coach, not Big Yeah, it, It's a hypothetical. It's a hypothetical, a hypothetical we all hope doesn't come to pass, but mm-hmm. I think it's – I don't think you can just ignore it and say it's there's no way it could happen because I think he kept his job by the skin of his teeth and the way that team played those last seven games on offense, on defense, on effort, on tackling, on scheme, on not stopping the blitz. I mean there was there was nothing about it that was less that was better than terrible. I think he's gotta get off to a, a good start next year. He's got the the assistance to help him do it. But that's going to definitely have to happen. You want some
3: good news, though, Glenn? Yeah. Same thing in Dallas?
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: McCarthy's on hot to start the season. Same as Sirianni. And, oh, by the way, if the Giants start 0-5.
5: Yeah, sure. Even oh, yeah. though
3: Brian Dable won Coach of the Year last year, not this past year. Well, we haven't even named the Coach of the Year yet this year officially. But um, they but were be awful <laughs> this year, and it <laughs> yeah. went badly. If he starts 0-5, there'll be rumblings in New York, too. So, while well, you're right, it's uh, not, not, not the preferable situation when your coach starts the season on a hot seat. Yeah, so is the rest of the NFC East.
5: Except in Washington, and we'll talk later about who they hired and what's going on with that franchise because they, they, they don't appear to be in any better shape ever. So Correct. So we got other people's misery to enjoy. <laughs> so That's a good thing. 215-592-9494. We'll definitely take your calls in the next segment. Let me just see. Lou is up next and you after him. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. I uh, always love some Stones coming back, Jody Mac. Just to shout away. You know, I remember it, like one of the first shows you and I ever did when we started working together, 31 years ago. Was it, <laughs> how old is this? We were debating who who had a bigger legacy, the Beatles or the Stones. Really? Yeah, and we did, that was 1990 three or four when we started working together we we had a big debate on that you were a stones with, guy with, i was without
3: I, remembering the conversation i know exactly what i said
5: well sure stones yeah
3: because yeah. uh I, and i've got myself in trouble um you never worked for mark Chernoff, did you
5: not directly no right. i mean you know he, uh, several many layers above me but no
3: right and i i love mark he's uh probably the best program director i ever worked for and i worked for him at two different outlets um I once said on the air the Beatles were overrated, and I really believed he was going to fire me. (laughs) Because he started as a music DJ before he got into sports talk and became one of the most famous uh, program directors in the history of the medium. He was, I could see the fire in his eyes. Yeah. He was, like, offended, annoyed. I was offended when you said it back
5: then. Yes. Yes.
3: Sorry, that's just the way I feel. I, I acknowledge their greatness and the mark that they left on music in general, certainly rock and roll, and we could debate for the next 20 minutes what is or isn't rock and roll. Um, but I'm just tired of them. And the 473rd time I heard Gimme Shelter was one too many for me. No, oh, um, Gimme Shelter is the stone. Uh, not Gimme Shelter, uh, Hey Jude. Okay. Um and the stones just never get old to me. Mm-hmm. I can listen to "Give Me Shelter" four hundred and eighty-seven times and still hum along at the back end. So uh, without ha- remembering the conversation, yes, I I, I was getting pretty steamed. My, my opinion has not changed. I my know. Stance has not changed. I know. Even though it almost got me fired years ago.
5: Well, I, I, I another day we, we on a slow day in like you know June when there's nothing going on, we can revive that debate. How about okay. that? Uh, but right now, let's go to Lou and Delco, who wants to tell us where the Eagles went wrong this year.
6: <laughs> where the Eagles went wrong?
5: You tell us.
3: I, I don't know. Okay. That's what it says. Oh, you want oh, wait, to talk about? I'm
6: sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm on it. Like, I just wanted to. All right. locked and loaded. Where the Eagles went wrong. So Sonny was talking about, like, uh, you know, where we are and where we go from here. And I was just looking at it from a more broad like perspective, like a personal perspective. I'm a 50-year-old guy. You know, my dad watched football. However, he never wanted me to play football. I played high school football, right? So do I know anything about football? You know, do I know what's going on? I I
5: don't have time for your whole life story, but where did the Eagles go wrong this year?
6: Where did the Eagles go wrong? Nowhere. They didn't. They Mm. gave it their best shot, right? Mm -hmm. And it didn't work out. It's a team. It's no. a
5: team? No? Okay. No, none of the, none of the above right. well, then, because then they, they clearly, they didn't give it their best school. shot.
6: Take me to school and, and drop well, them out. Well, I, I
5: mean, here's my opinion, Lou, and we all have okay, our opinion. Ahead. My opinion yes, is the Eagles didn't give it their best shot because at a certain point, they just kind of crumpled well, in, died, and you fail. could see the... Le- well, You asked me to talk, just give me a second. You yep. could see the lack of effort, the lack of hustle, lack of tackling in those last few games. When things went bad, they just turtled up and got really awful, so there's nothing to say there are teams there are times when your team loses but you feel like you know they died on their sword and I'm proud of them even losing the Super Bowl last I'm not year, proud they of lost this team. it done some dumb plays I'm still proud of them this year not at all I got it I'm not proud of them I mean I they did have an opportunity
3: they didn't take they didn't seize the moment
5: well, there, right there you well
3: go. then again back to your question lewin thanks for the call it went wrong you said nothing went wrong nothing went wrong well yeah it did. It went woefully wrong. It, it cratered. It was an awful end to the season. And the only price that seems to have been paid is the two coordinators lost their job. I should say three. We should put Patricia and Matt mix for his outstanding effort the last several games. I hope you see the sarcasm dripping off that. Um, they, yeah, a couple of coaches paid the price. Is that going to be enough? Mack, in about, oh, 10 days from now, when the Super Bowl is coming gone. And, yeah, I watched some senior bowl action yesterday. The flip, the switch is going to flip, and it's going to become all about Howie. That mm-hmm. he is going to have to retool this uh, roster. He's going to have to make moves. The draft is going to be very important this year. It's going to become Howie season very quickly.
5: I agree. And part of it is who's not coming back. You know, you look at that yep. secondary. Who who Who's he going to shed in that secondary, and how's he going to replace him? I, that's, that's a very good point. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to our pal Todd Zalecki. It's been so long since we've had the opportunity to talk baseball. We're a couple weeks away from spring training. Todd is going to be all on top of it. Been a very quiet offseason for the Phillies, but I think Todd's sense is they may not yet be done. So we'll find out that from him, and we'll work in your calls at 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94WIP.
4: Fans are singing along with Bryson Stotts' walk-up music. Lefty on lefty. The infield is in. And the pitch to Bryson. Fastball hit in the air. Deep to right field. Going back is Sanchez. He's going to just watch it go. A grand slam for Bryson Stotts. He has lifted the roof off the building. And the Phillies have opened it up. They're on top seven to nothing.
5: Ah, it was so good when it was so good before it got – Bad at the end and crashed and burned out It was just great for a while there. Todd, I loved that September, October. Can we can we just fast forward and have that again? Can you promise me, Todd Zelecki of MLB.com, that we will get all that fun again?
10: I, I think they'll get, you'll get that fun again. I do. As um, is, is relatively inactive as they've been this offseason, I still think they're one of the better teams in the National League, and, and they're going to make the postseason this fall.
5: So we have so much to talk to you. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, and we are joined by Todd Zalecki of MLP.com, covers the Phillies for them. Um, so I'll, I'll just – off of that, I'll, I'll just ask you this. Rob Thompson has hinted before about leading off Stott, and he's talked about, you know, Stott-Turner 1-2, Schwarber more down in the middle. Um, do we have a shot at that? When, when Kyle Schwarber gets off to hitting, you know, 130 in April and May, we have a shot, yeah. moving moving him down a little bit, get start at the top.
10: Yeah, I think there's a shot. You know, Rob has talked after the, the postseason last year of not being so rigid in his beliefs or his commitments to certain things. I don't know if he was necessarily talking about Schwarber at the time, but maybe he will be more open this season to dropping down Schwarber. But he has also said repeatedly this offseason, whenever we've had the opportunity to talk to him, you know, yes, I'm thinking about – leadoff hitter, lineup, et cetera. But he's like, when you look at our record with Kyle Schwarber leading off, it's much better than it is without him leading off. And so I think, I think Schwarber leading off is his default position, uh, but with maybe perhaps some more open-mindedness if, you know, Stott, for instance, gets off to a great start and, and, and Schwarber struggles.
3: And, oh, by the way, let us not forget, he started last year with Turner at the leadoff spot. He was ready to go with Turner at the leadoff spot, and Turner couldn't hit his uh, way out of a paper bag. So he said, "Uh uh-oh, default position, let me get Schwarber back up there. And he did, and they won. So he's gone down the open-minded road before, maybe slightly more open-minded, but it isn't like he he, he came into opening day, slammed his hand on the desk, said, God damn it, Kyle Schwarber's going to lead off 162 times for me this year. 100%.
10: And – I think it would have stayed that way as well if Turner had gotten off the whole, uh, off to a hot start, which he did not. And I think the other issue um, is if you hit Schwarber, to me, he's like a – he would be a fantastic cleanup hitter, right? You want him hitting fourth with hitting 40-plus home runs. But you also don't want to have Harper and Schwarber hitting back-to-back. So now does that mean you hit Harper second – would you rather have him hitting third? So there's some there's, there is some of that thought as well. Where do you hit Harper, based off of where do you hit Schwarber? So if you're winning with Schwarber hitting leadoff, you're not going to you know you want to have some separation there. So that's a consideration as well when Rob Thompson uh, thinks about his lineup.
5: Todd Zalecki is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Todd Zalecki z o l e c k i. As we've noted, and we'll talk more about this. It's, it's been a very uneventful winter for you probably good got to spend more time with the kids um, <laughs> right. but one thing that we're kind of thinking they probably should be doing soon is extending zach wheeler they they succeeded in keeping arenola zach wheeler's he's going into his walk here am i right
10: yes he is okay yeah, after the, after the okay
5: uh, by maybe the opening day starter i think they need to extend that relationship where's that stand as far as you know
10: Yes, so I, I've been told um, that that is their priority uh, this spring, that they want to sign him to a contract extension. Now, they they also wanted to do the same thing with Aaron Nola last spring, but I think it was more of we would really like to get Aaron Nola done and we're optimistic we can get something done this spring. It did not work out, whereas I think there's a little bit more urgency to get Zach Wheeler taken care of in this sense um, eyeball test, old-school eyeball test, or new-school analytics test, Zach Wheeler is, has been one of the very best pitchers on all of Major League Baseball, regular season, postseason, the past several years. So while Aaron Nola had some warts on his resume, right? I mean, the struggling down the stretch, the higher ERA. Uh, so if Zach Wheeler hits free agency... <laughs> Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot more teams willing to throw him a lot more money. So I think there's, and I think the Phillies recognize that. So I think the Phillies understand that, boy, if we don't get Zach Wheeler, um, there's going to be a lot of really, you know, good teams, deep-pocketed teams that are going to take a real legit run at him as well. So I think the Phillies want to get this wrapped up sooner rather than later. And I think they're, they're very much going to try to do that.
3: Todd, opinion question for you. Could they have, should they have Phillies put a better offer on the table to the Milwaukee Brewers for Corbin Burns than what the Orioles got him for?
10: Boy, that's a great – well, the problem here is is that I think the, the Phillies' farm system is just not nearly as good as the Orioles' farm system. So, right. uh, Andrew Painter, he's hurt. Mick Abel has – not really progresses the way they have hoped them to. Griff McGarry got shut down last fall in Triple A when he got promoted to Triple A because he had like a an ERA in the double digits uh, in like five six seven starts in Triple A. So now you're getting into Justin Crawford, who everybody loves. He's a top 100 prospect, but he's also far away. And then you start getting really deep into like Starlin Taba, for instance. He's an 18 year old kid from the Dominican Phillies love this guy they think he's going to be a star but he's 18 so i don't think that they had the capital uh the prospect capital to get somebody done like like corbin bird
5: okay that makes sense uh speaking of the farm system and guys who come up from it johan rojas looked so good uh toward the end of the regular season and then so overmatched in the postseason Can he is the expectation that he'll be brought up to opening brought up to speed by opening day that he'll he'll start on the roster playing center field or, you know what, let's get him back down in the minors uh, until we can be confident he can hit major league pitching.
10: I think the expect or I should say I think the hope is, is that he makes the opening day roster as their center fielder. Um, And that is why. You know, because a lot of people are saying, well, they're going to go out and get an outfielder, right? You know, they, they they've got to go out an outfielder, and I don't disagree with that at all. But when I talked with uh, Dave Dombrowski just before Christmas, and then I checked in with him, I don't know like a week or two ago to see if that opinion has changed. Because um, I asked him, I said, well, you need a fourth outfielder, right? Just outfielder? No, um, we, you know, if we could, yeah, if we could grab somebody, sure. But we do not want to block a path of. For playing time for Johan Rojas because they are not they want to get Brandon Marsh in the bats as well. So they hope that he can seize that job um, in center field. Now, Rob Thompson also has said, you know, if he struggles, is it better for him to get some se- more seasoning in AAA? Sure. But that means Brandon Marsh is playing center field or Christian Pache is playing center field. And then who's playing left field? <laughs> now you get into the problem. So it is been interesting to see how they've, I don't want to say put all the eggs in their Johan Rojas basket, but they, ha- they don't have that veteran presence right now mm-hmm. in the outfield to back them up if Johan Rojas struggles. Now, they've also said that, uh, you know, the longer some of these free agent outfielders, veteran free agent outfielders linger in the offseason, it's getting really, really late. Maybe one of them goes, you yeah, know, all right, I, I might only get 250 plate appearances, 300 plate appearances, but I got to sign somewhere. Um, but but I think they want Johan Rojas to play. Now, if he could be what he was in the regular season last year, that would be absolutely over-the-top amazing because he was really, really good for whatever you guys – I do how much stock you guys put in war, but he was like seventh on the team in war just in like 60 games because he was so amazing defensively. Uh, if, but if he hits like he hits in the postseason, now the Phillies have problems. So even if they could get a happy medium between the two um, – you know, I, I think that they could be okay and they could make it work.
3: Todd, let me run this by you, because this has been my stance on Rojas since October of last year. Nothing I've heard or uh, intimated changes my opinion. Sometimes simplistic is easier. I think he ran out of gas. He had never played a season that went into October in his life. He had never had that kind of year before, and I just think with – doing it at the highest level and pressure every day in playoffs where I think he ran out of gas. And is that the worst thing in the world?
10: Yeah, I know. I definitely see that. He had never played that long before. And I think the pressure when he started to struggle in the postseason got to him. One of the images, uh, many images of being in that clubhouse after game seven was Brandon Marsh basically hugging it out with Johan Rojas because I think Johan Rojas felt so terribly at how poorly he hit in the postseason. And I think that that, um, with maybe a little bit more experience, he can handle it. But, you know, so here's my, here's my feeling on Johan Rojas, and I think back to Carlos Ruiz in 2008. Carlos Ruiz hit ninth for the Phillies in 2008. I remember Kelly mm-hmm. Manuel getting killed repeatedly by beat writers and other reporters. Look at Carlos Ruiz's numbers in 2008. He was a wildly below average offensive <laughs> player in 2008. And they were going, Charlie, how can you continue to play this guy? He cannot hit. He cannot hit. He's killing you guys. How can you expect to win with Carlos Ruiz as your nine-hole hitter? And I remember Charlie Manuel in the dugout business Bank Park one day. He finally lost it. He goes, guys, if we are depending on our nine-hole hitter to win the World Series this year, we are basically screwed anyway. <laughs> and, and I feel the yeah. same, same way about Johan Rojas. If Johan Rojas can hit – as a number, I'm just going to throw it out there, 225. With the defense he plays, I think that's good enough for this team to win because you have Harper, Turner, Rielmutio, Castellanos. You have Bryson Stott. You know, you have Kyle Schwarber. Um, you know, you have all those guys. So if the if you can't win with Johan Rojas hitting 225 with his defense, that means the other eight guys above him are Performing wildly below expectations and
5: capabilities. I think it's a great point. And listen, his center field was just magnificent. It, it, you know, small sample, but about the best I've ever seen out yeah. there. And the Phillies have had some great center fielders over the years. If you get him in center, Martian left, you know, you live with Castellanos and right or whatever. I, I think it can work. Um, let's talk about uh, the closer. As in, uh, who the heck's the closer? <laughs>
10: And this is not an answer anybody will like. So you know, I already know what I'm going to say. Is the word "committee" asked, coming up? The word "committee," Glenn, is coming ugh. out of my mouth right uh, now. And, and believe me, we have asked Rob. We saw Rob at the winter meetings. We saw Rob a couple weeks ago. Um, they stopped in for like a winter caravan event. And uh, believe me, that question gets asked all the time. Rob, who's going to close for you? Well, I mean, we're. I, I still want to go closer by committee. So that's going to be Alvarado, Jeff Hoffman, Gregory Soto. He needs to bounce back. I think he, he did not perform well last year. Uh, Matt Strom, Sir Anthony Dominguez, or Ryan Kirkering to get some closing opportunities. I think all six of those guys could get at least one save or more this season, um, you know, because they never replaced Kimbrell. And uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to replace him with a, you know, a late inning veteran closer type of guy.
3: Hmm. Let me ask you a question along those lines. If you're asking me, if you go from day one, opening day through game, how many games they played, 13, 14 playoff games, so 176, 177, whatever, of the players that are in the bullpen right now, who was their best pitcher over the entire, Not not little blocks, not a week, not a month, but for the full 176, who was their best pitcher as a cloak, uh, just in any role? In any role.
10: Wow, that's a great question. You know, the first name that comes to my mind was, was Jeff Hoffman. I thought he was tough as nails, especially. Uh,
9: they, that's they brought,
3: guy. Uh, is that your guy? <laughs> I like Hoffman. I am a Hoffman guy. But that's not the name that I would come up with. Who would you say? Matt Strom. Matt. Well, Matt Strom was
10: fantastic once he got into that late inning role. I I, I like well. I like both of those guys, but I I especially like Hoffman because he would he would come in in what they like to call dirty innings. You know, runners on base, runner on second and third, one out. Uh, It seemed like you know, uh, bases loaded, two outs. Rob Thompson, if Hoffman was up and ready to come in, he would bring him in, and most of the time he would be successful. And to me, that says a lot. That shows a lot of mental toughness. But Strom also very you know he got the final out I think in the NLDS or the final two games of the NLDS against the Braves which says which said a lot about him Is you know
4: he he's super super versatile
10: you know because he can pitch multiple innings and he also has the guts to pitch in the ninth.
5: So um as we have said there are still deals to be made and there are a lot of players uh, unsigned out there uh, including by the way Michael Lorenzen who who threw a no-hitter for them and looked pretty bad other than that but they're right. Do the Phillies have any other unsigned free agents I'm not thinking of from last Uh, year's roster?
10: Mm, I'm trying to think. I I think that might be the only one that's still out there. Okay. Um, But
5: there there are a lot of good players on the market at pretty much every position. Um, You talked about adding another outfielder. I'm presuming a right-handed hitting outfielder. What else might they do between now and, well, spring training or the start of the season?
10: Well, I still think they could go out and get another reliever. I I feel like they, you know, relief pitching is so volatile from one season to the next. So, you know, as as much as I love Jeff Hoffman, like, you know, it's not to saying that he's going to roll out there again and be lights out again. You know, see, I I always feel like you need as much protection as possible in the bullpen because those guys are so up and down. Um, You mentioned outfield. I I, I feel like, you know, like Johan Rojas goes out there and really struggles this spring and doesn't make the team. Now you're all of a sudden really thin. You have Pache, Marsh, Jake Cave in the outfield, maybe some Weston Wilson in the outfield. I don't know how much, you know, I don't know. I think they could survive that based off the rest of their offensive production. But, you know, Rob Thompson did say something interesting a couple weeks ago. He said, um, he's like, you know, we don't really have a lot of non roster invitees with big league experience coming to camp. And he's like, and I think that, he's like, I think that could change. For what I mentioned at the very beginning, there's a lot of guys that aren't signed, maybe looking for a certain amount of playing time, maybe may looking for a certain amount of money, and then once spring training rolls around, they're going to be going. All right, I wanted 450 at bats with the team. The Phillies can only guarantee me 250 ish. I yep. think I'll go to Philly. You know, same thing with a reliever. You know, same thing with the reliever.
3: Let me uh, double down on the name, Glenn, throughout there. Michael Lorenzen. If he would accept a specific role with the Phillies, and that's six starter, long man out of the bullpen, his market is what it is, he still hasn't signed. One of the team's interested was supposedly the Orioles, and they just got Corbin Burns. I think that uh, trail went cold pretty damn quickly. Is there any chance that he could be brought back? Uh, You've got your five starters. I don't know that I would want to put him ahead of Sanchez at this time, but... You need six or seven or eight or nine to come into a season. Is there a path for him to come back in a very specific role to the Phillies if they can come up with the money that makes him say, yeah, I can take that role? Yeah. I. I, I, I well, let
10: me put it this way. I think he would have to um, really come around on that idea because he wants to be a starter. Uh, he does not want to pitch out of the bullpen, even though he kind of came up with the Reds pitching out of the bullpen. So that would be something that he would have to have this kind of his uh, come to Jesus talk and figure out. All right, you know, I might, I maybe I could get the money I want, but I am definitely not going to be pitching in the role that I want. Uh, you know, I think the Phillies would be open to it because I think they understand that they need more depth. You know, they signed this guy uh, Colby Albert Allard from the. He pitched for the Braves last mm-hmm. year. Uh, one, a $1 million deal. He's got an option left, which is the reason why they like him. So it seems like he's going to start in AAA, provide them some, some starting pitching depth. But I really do think that they need some more starting pitching depth because once you get past Sanchez, say he's your number five guy, you've got Colby Allard, you've got Dylan Covey, Nick Nelson, and then Nick Abel. Um, best case scenario is Nick Abel lights it up this year, and then he's their first option. But I, I do think they need some more veterans another veteran starter, just to give them to give them some protection.
5: All right. My last baseball question kind of follows up on that, which is if there is going to be somebody who's going to set things on fire in spring training who we haven't really looked at before, you know, not expected to make the team, et cetera, et cetera, who would that be?
10: Oh, that is a good question because they really have not added anybody
5: – None of, um, none of the above isn't a good answer.
10: Yeah, none of the above. Like, you know,
5: is is there – like, I know Kirkwin came up mid-se- you know, late yeah. this season and just like, wow, look at this kid. Is there somebody that's like, oh, my God, look at this kid?
10: Well, I, I think – to me, not necessarily a guy that I think is going to catch fire this spring, but I think a guy that they need to catch fire this spring is Griff McGarry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last season they were thinking – they were they were thinking that if – Abel or McGarry really step up this year. One of them could maybe make a rotation or make the pitching staff late the season. Neither happened. McGarry really fell off a cliff once he got promoted to AAA. And they still say right now they believe he can be a starter. But Dave Dombrowski hedged a little bit. He said, Mick Abel is a starter. He will be a starting pitcher in the major leagues. He said, we hope Griff McGarry can be a starter. So I think he needs to pitch really well to Stay in that role, otherwise, I think you could see him move to the bullpen uh, as a short inning reliever.
5: All right, uh, so I uh rush to my email every uh, Wednesday and Sunday for your Phillies uh, beat newsletter, which is which is great. You have a great primer on Clearwater, uh, and the latest where to get players' autographs, where to eat, all that good stuff. How do people subscribe to that? You can go to – so my, my newest one is going to come out later today. Um, if
10: you go to phillies.com, MLB.com, you, there's a link at the top of the story. Um, this week I kind of answer reader questions uh, about the Phillies. So if you click that link at the very top, there is a link to subscribe. And then, yeah, like you said, it comes in every Wednesday and every Sunday.
5: Uh, yes. Uh, oh, always good stuff. When are you leaving for spring training? I'm leaving on February 13th, so a week from Tuesday. Nice.
10: Uh, well, that's good. I think Tetris is on Valentine's Day. How about which, that? Which my
3: wife loves. <laughs> <Yeah>, make <I'm> sure <laughs> just just you, had you, you had make that mind. purchase before you leave, Zalaki. Exactly. I'm on it. I'm on it.
5: Well, that, that's, that's good timing because uh, on February 12th, I'm going to grab you uh, and drag you to a uh, brewery in, somewhere in Montgomery County, and we are going to do you, the first episode, the season premiere Nice. Of season nine of What's Brewing, which, by the way, Jody will absolutely, I uh, hope Jody joins me later in the season. But we are going to film the first episode, and it's going to be Todd Zelecki's spring training primer, including all the great places to drink and beers to drink in
4: Clearwater.
10: I have a lot of names for you, so I'm going to come prepared.
5: <laughs> that's good.
10: What did you last that, year?
4: That's all I do down there. But well, I know well, some places to go. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's
5: a lot of nights where you're just kind of on the road, and there are a lot of good places to go. And we will, we'll. I'm looking forward to that. If, By if, the way, you, I'm about uh, five for seven in that newsletter on your trivia questions uh, in the last month. So, all right,
10: I like that. I'll yeah, be hitting some of those. It, 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 it's funny, people really do like when I hear back from people about the newsletter. They they always mention the trivia questions and how that and how they're doing on them.
5: Oh yeah, always good stuff. Todd, it's a pleasure. I'll see you again. I'll see you the day before you go to Clearwater. We'll drink beer. Awesome! Thanks. See you guys. All right. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much. There you go, Todd Zalecki. Uh, always a good guest. Jody, I, I, you know, you're listen. You you grew up in a baseball family. Your father is a baseball executive. This is the time of year when football season ends. I know it didn't end. There's the Super Bowl, but it ended for my team. And we're kind of in those dog days of NBA, NHL, where it's like you're just waiting for those playoffs to begin. I start to get the baseball the antsy about baseball.
3: It is amazing, Glenn, in that all you need to do is see a little video with a palm tree, yeah, be it Florida or Arizona, and you just get excited. It means nothing. The video itself means nothing. But you see it and you go, oh, man, baseball's just around the corner. We've almost got baseball back. Yeah, I get sucked in every single year. Only sixty years now that I've been getting sucked in. I get sucked in every year.
5: You know the one I always love, uh, like the the you know the local TV stations send their people down for the beginning of spring training. The players doing the calisthenics. Oh yeah, right. uh, <laughs> the
3: bands. They're stretching with the bands. Yeah, oh, oh, that's love- right. Eat that
5: stuff up. I'm mean, like crossing their legs and going and walking around. I'm I, absolutely. I get into that. <laughs> Anyway, that was a lot of fun. We'll come back. We'll take your phone calls. I see uh, Tom's got a baseball thing to talk about, which is good. We'll take that. Mike Garofalo going to join us at noon, so we'll talk uh, Eagles and Super Bowl there. But whatever's on your mind, 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. The Bet Parks Casino Sportsbook app has you covered for betting on all your favorite sports and for
3: playing all your favorite casino games. Bet Philly hoops, player performances. Hopefully you didn't go heavy on the Sixers yesterday. Bet Parks and they got this game coming up on Sunday. I think you know which one I'm referring to one week from today. It's the only app that I play with and recommend. It's safe, secure, and very easy to use. Download the Bet Parks app right now. Play all your favorite casino games to right at your fingertips. Odds, bets, slots, games, right there in your pocket. The casino comes to you wherever you are. Play with live dealers on your phone. Enjoy blackjack, roulette, Texas Hold'em. Uh, play any of the great online slots they have like divine fortune and cleopatra and for you new users if you never played with parks before download the bet Parks app and get up to one thousand dollar casino bonus back if you're down in your first 24 hours of casino play that's for new users only casino bonus must be wagered terms and conditions to apply see website at betparks.com for more details you love to play you play to win you bet Bet Parks.
5: All right. I don't have any shows to recommend today. Actually, I'll talk about that. I'm starting to watch. But I just wanted to throw a couple of TV things at you, and then we'll get away. See, we've got a couple of Phillies calls. I'll get to those guys this segment. But here you go. Um, what I've been watching is a lot of football. And I will tell you that I enjoy on Fox Greg Olson. I think he's done a great job. I've you know, I've There's always debate as to how much does it matter who the color guy is, who the broadcasters are, what do you like, who do you don't like. As you and I have discussed, I am not a Romo fan, but I'm a Greg Olsen fan. I think he does a really good job, and I think he's getting screwed. He's getting pushed out. They've decided they're going to put Brady on the number one slot on Fox broadcasts moving ahead. Olsen's going to end up somewhere, but I I think Olsen is really good. And I've just enjoyed him. And so I wanted to say that I I thought uh, not fair and not right. Uh, Well, I won't say
3: not fair because when he was elevated to the number one team, they knew it was with Brady in the wings. So he knew what he was getting into. It, can you change your mind? Can you reevaluate as you go? Yeah, I guess, but they were pretty much committed to Brady. So that not going to tell you that Brady's going to be better than Olsen next year. If I'm a betting man, I'd probably say he'll be lesser than Olsen, because like you, I'm an Olsen fan. But I won't say it's not fair, because they, they pretty much laid it out, and he knew what was coming. Then and, and to his credit, he's been as good as he has been, as basically a backup quarterback. And, you know, your job as the backup quarterback is go in and do everything you can, but uh, at some point you're going to be handed the clipboard back. Uh, So I I wouldn't say not fair, but I agree with you. I think he's done a dynamite job. Um, And of the three major networks, I guess you could say four, if you're going to put Collinsworth and uh, ESPN into Mm -hmm. the mix. I, I don't know if I said it with you. I said it with somebody. Aikman is the best.
5: Oh, Aikman's great. I like and, Aikman a lot.
3: And he doesn't overdo it, but he gives you the analysis. He gives you some of the look ahead. He he doesn't make it about him. He keeps it about football at all times. Uh, and I think he's a guy who's come a long way. Now he's been doing it for a long time now. But I uh, I, I I would put him atop all of the network announcing uh, analysts positions. So uh, good for Troy. Um, yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think he will be fine. Wouldn't be surprised at some point he moves back up to the number one slide, because he's young enough. He's, he's only been doing it a couple of years, and he's come a long way in a fast time.
5: Other well, thing I wanted to mention is I saw the, a piece the other day. You know, every year the network that's presenting the Super Bowl gets to show off its new bells and whistles, and sometimes those are kind of cool. Sometimes it's like a graphics package that you're going to see for years to come or a different camera angle. They put the camera right down in the pylon and the goal line, which is great, you know, when a guy's diving for a touchdown or something. So this time it's CBS's turn for Super Bowl. What is next week? 58, right? Super Bowl 58 next weekend? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Chiefs and and, uh, Niners in Las Vegas. And the other day the network revealed the big presentation, 165 cameras, robotic cameras, fly cam, sky cams, the pylon cam, and the introduction of the doink cam in the goalpost. Really? Yes. I did not see that. <laughs> Which will be good, I assume, for like a field goal that goes through the goalpost. You get to see it right there. But if one actually hits the goalpost and that thing shakes around, that'll be great. That'll be phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll, uh, now I'm, I'm. I have to root for that. Yeah. On Super Bowl Sunday,
3: <laughs> will will uh, Parks have a wager I can make on hitting the Doink Cam there during the game? You have to get some pretty damn good odds. Will I Harrison
5: Butker hit the Doink Cam? Yeah, that would be. <laughs> that'd be good. You want, just as we're on it, are you watching anything worthwhile these days? Um, I don't know that I've mentioned this one before
3: with you. Um, I did finish up. Season 2 of Reacher.
5: Yeah, I watched On, season 1 and liked it. I didn't love it, but it was good. You you're in?
3: Yeah, season 2 was as good if not better than season 1. And uh I think it's Amazon. I get my streaming networks mixed mm-hmm. up, but I'm pretty sure it was Amazon. Um and the reason why I like it Because I'm a big Lee Childs fan. There's another author that I read, and I think the Reacher character and the series that he's written over 20 years, I think it is now, was always phenomenal. Uh, Then they made the movie, and Tom Cruise played Reacher. Yeah, I know. And if you read the books, Reacher was this six foot five, hulking guy who just physically dominated people when he would get in skirmishes and the like. And now you got five foot nine Tom Cruise playing the role.
5: Tom Cruise playing Gronkowski. It just doesn't
3: work. It didn't work. And I'm a Cruise fan. I like Tom Cruise. I think he's a hell of an actor and action stuff. He's as good as there is on the planet. But he just was never Reacher. And the guy that they cast for him on the television side, oh, he's every bit the Reacher that I thought he would be. Big, hulking, athletic guy, just drops guys with one punch. So it's much more realistic and pays uh, justice to the actual written series ahead of time. And I think that's why I like it as much as I do.
5: Good. Good show. I start, I, I'm not ready to, like, give it a thumbs up or thumbs down, but I'm a couple episodes into a show uh, that is on Hulu and Disney Plus called A Small Light, which is about the Dutch resistance fighters and specifically the people who hid and Frank's family and the other people uh, in Amsterdam in during World War II. And so far, it's pretty great. Um, and it's not doesn't just focus on, like, those people living up in that in the top of the building, but it also focuses on how these ordinary people became so brave and heroic during World War II, just trying to save everybody they could. It's pretty good. It's called A Small Light. I want to see more before I talk about it. I I don't know if I told you, I think I did. You know I do a lot of uh, now we're getting into acting in local theater, and I'm going to be in the production of Diary of Anne Frank in April at the PCS Theater. In Swathmore, tickets go to PCSTheater.org. org, <laughs> and so it's like I always I read the Anne Frank Diary of Anne Frank when I was in junior high school, and I kind of knew it, but now it's like uh, for obvious reasons I'm really getting into it, and it's an amazing story of just these brave people who risk their lives to save other people. So nice, there you go. All right, let's grab a couple of calls here and talk to Tom in Westchester. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Tom.
6: Hey, how are you? All how right. Oh, um, just listening to the uh statement and, you know, I'm just thinking about Pache and a, and a couple other things, but do you think it's fair to not be as high on Pache as, as we are on Rojas? I mean, he's still just turned 25 years old. He was playing the best baseball of his career before going down with an unlucky injury with a knee injury and what is a complete freak accident with his childhood surgery. And, you know, he's an elite defender. And it extrapolated over a full season's worth, he's a better defender in terms of war, defensive war, per fan graphs.
5: Yeah, come on. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, Jody, you speak to it. I, I'm not buying that last statistic, but go ahead, please, right. Jody. Um,
3: I watch them both play. And you're right, Pache is a well above average defender, I just don't think he's as good as Rojas. Uh, Plain and simple. Uh, You're going to let a couple numbers tell you that you believe that. My eyes did not tell me that last year. I love them both. I'm not saying Pache's not a good defender. He's a very good defender. He's not as good as Rojas in my mind.
6: Let's say that's fair. He's slightly worse, let's say. But if Rojas is acceptable, if he's able to hit 225, It would be in his best interest to start in AAA, play Pache for a little while, and then let him come up. I mean, people are not grasping that if they go get another outfielder, they have to let go of Pache because he's out of options. He's 25 years old. They got him for a minor league reliever that had never played above A ball. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most underrated trades in I, I think you're. I think you're kind
5: of overrating what you saw at Apache last year. Um, he played. I'm just looking at his number, He had 84 at bats, and he hit two thirty-eight with a OPS of seven thirty six. And okay, uh, he's got speed, but he got caught stealing more than he stole bases. He'll take a walk. Uh, before he got here, his major league batting average is just about below two hundred. So let's. I, I'm. He he was once considered a very good prospect. He may pan out to be, but I mean, you're you're making him into the you know the next version of Gary Maddox. He hit
6: 327 before the knee injury in the first half of the season. How many at bats? Not a ton. I know. Okay.
5: Well, then that's the point. He's got he had 84 at bats all told last year. So you're talking about a sample system of like 50 at bats.
6: But if you're gonna go get Adam Duval to be on the bench and and let Pacheco go. That does not seem like a great— Yeah, I wouldn't
3: do that. You're right. Okay. Thanks, Tom. I'm kind of with Glenn. Thanks for the call. Um, It was a smart trade. It was an effective trade. And Pache may blossom and bloom and uh, come into spring training and hit 500. And then you go, guess what, Johan? You're starting the year with the Iron Pigs. But let's get there first. I'm with you. Unless you're going out and getting Cody Bellinger, which I don't think they are. Still unsigned. I know that he is, but I just don't see...
5: No, I don't see him coming here. I'm just remarking that it surprises me that he's still unsigned. Same here. Um,
3: I'm good with going to to war with what
5: they have as of
3: right now. I'm okay with that. I don't think they're desperate to add another outfield bat, and Pache is part of that, but not over and above and beyond Rojas. Uh, I love the kid, and I think he's going to be... I'll I'll use the name you just uh, used. If there's the next Gary Maddox to develop in the Phillies starting in 2024, I'd put my money on Rojas before Pache. I would
5: as well. Bob and Tom's Rivers on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Bob.
4: Uh, Good morning, guys. Uh, First time uh, talking to you, uh, but I've listened to you guys for a long time. Thank you. I just have a a couple questions, one about the Phillies and another about the Eagles. Um, The way the Dodgers went absolutely crazy this year and spent – no, over a billion dollars on on signing all these people. Um, how much do you think that directly uh, affects the Phillies as far as getting people that they need to move forward in their organization?
5: I don't. I don't think it does. Um, to me, if I'm the Phillies, the team I'm really looking at it all the time is the Braves. And Jesus, right. the Braves yeah. look really good. The Braves look
4: really good.
9: Right. Do, do you think
4: that they would be able to uh, in this off season um,
9: improve
4: enough? To not really have to worry about the Braves, or
3: that's something that's going to have to come in like a Oh, you have to. How, to how to do you on. How do you not worry about the Braves? They win the division every yeah, year. I, yeah, yeah,
4: I, I know, I know. I, I mean, to a point where uh, they were back in 11, where you knew that the Phillies were the team. Regardless. Yeah,
5: it's it's not that way now because at that time, I don't even remember who the the, the Mets were. A challenger for a year or two. The Braves had some ups and downs. But the right. Phillies had a nucleus and a young nucleus that you knew was going to be good for years. I don't know that the Phillies have that now. I mean, the Braves have that now. Plus, I'm, guys, I'm looking at the Braves. Just I called up their stats last year. This is home runs. Matt Olson, 54. Ronald Acuna, Jr., 41. Marcelo Jeez. Zuna, 40. Uh, Austin yeah. Riley, 37. The fifth guy on their team, Ozzie Albies, had 33 home runs. I mean they're just they're they're packed and those guys are 29 25 22 Ozuna's uh 32 but th- they're in their 20s. The Braves are going to be really good, which doesn't mean the Phillies give up. Right. But just the reality of it is the Braves are packed. And yeah. oh by the but- way,
3: the Phillies sent the Braves packing. Both of the last two years. They did. That's right. Even though they had the better season, two years running, and it wasn't really all that close in comparison. The Mets and the Braves were close last year, uh, but the Phillies were in the playoffs but snuck in with the sixth playoff spot. The most important
5: games were won by the Phillies in October. The beauty of a five-game postseason, five-game series. Keep them. Don't lose them. 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, a little baseball talk. Coming up at noon, we're going to check in with Mike Garofolo about NFL and Eagle stuff, but we do want to hear from you. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow. Hey, if this cold winter we've endured hasn't yet convinced you to replace your drafty inefficient windows and doors, maybe the great people at guided door and window can help by giving you one more month to do so at the best prices of the year. If you haven't taken advantage of God's big winter sale, this is your last chance to do so by taking 40% off every window and door you buy. Yep, 40% off each expertly installed, energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free, high-performance, low-E glass, and 40% off all high-quality storm doors, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And you can buy now and pay later with guidance interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans. Offer will expire at the end of February, so don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guided today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven 877 or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Jordan McDonald, 94, WIP. Jody, you got any other big plans today? I'm working, my friend. Uh, CBS Sports Radio,
3: 6 o'clock. I'll be watching the all-important flag football game oh, in God. Orlando today
5: for the Pro Bowl. I am um, interested to see what the ratings are for all this Pro Bowl stuff. I, when I'm doing the show yesterday at this time, we had the NFL network on and they had centers. The thing is, most of them weren't long snappers, like Jason mm-hmm. Kelsey, now a long snapper, trying to Which, do this. By thing the way, where they, he was they, terrible. He was terrible. He they was like the ball. It it was a wall. I don't know, fifteen yards away, with holes in the wall, with uh, corresponding numbers for scores related to the size of the holes in the wall, and the the center is supposed to snap it back through the holes. And they're not long snappers, so it's not what they normally do. And it's just embarrassing. It was just such bad TV. And yet, I'm I'm guessing, I don't know, but I bet you all of this stuff got really good ratings. It always does because it's the National Football League. It's bulletproof. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Unbelievable! It's not going to do what
3: the, the Super Bowl is going to do seven days from now, but it'll it'll outdo. I didn't even look yet to see what the good college basketball games are on. Yeah. you know I'm a golf guy and I'll flip over and watch some of the golf. Oh, the uh, the, the flag football game will outnumber all of them.
5: Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a Duke North Carolina game coming no, up. No, that was last right? night. Great game. Oh, North last Carolina, Carolina beat Duke. Okay. Yeah, uh, both of them look like they're. Uh, uh, ones or two seeds in the upcoming field well, of 68. If, if there was Pro Bowl activity at that point, I I like you. I'm sure it, it outdrew it. So NFL's got a thing, man. They sure do. And Taylor Swift is not going to hurt it a little bit. Nope. Did you love the stuff
3: that they put up? I think New York Times put it up first, and then everybody else bit off it they were after. In the last game that they played, she was on camera for Forty-four seconds. Yeah, I know. Three and a half hour game. She was on for forty-four seconds, but somehow Taylor Swift is ruining the National Football League in some people's eyes. (laughs) We talked about this yesterday.
5: Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. Just how like how upset people get about obsessed and upset and so on. The time story I saw it was forty-four seconds. The last game they averaged the last six games. And she was on for an average of 25 seconds on a three-hour-plus broadcast that has right. all sorts of waste-of-time stuff. Yeah, I, you know, there, there are reasons that people get upset about it, and most of those reasons are dopey. Just yep. let it be. Uh, Nick in Collegeville is with us. Hey, Nick. Hey, Mac and Mac.
4: Hey, Nick. Uh, you guys, I'm glad you, talk, you talked about Taylor yesterday. That's not why I called, but I'll just say this before I get on to my pache point. Like politicians just want to weaponize any stupid, idiotic thing every single day. It's just, it's just sickens me. Um, Pache Rojas, your last caller. Like, I get it. I hope, I hope Rojas. I mean, Pache bats two seventy-five and has a oh, decent flooding percentage and yada, 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 the whole nine yards. But at the end of the day, like I told your screen, your your producer, this team didn't make the World Series. Not because Rojas couldn 't hit a ball mm-hmm. it's because their billion dollar bats four bats that make a billion dollars could not hit the ball. If you need Pache or Rojas to get you a single in the bottom of the ninth at home, guess what it is what it is it 's going to have a one out of five times, and if that if the lottery hits, then then we advance. but at the end of the day it's up to rojas it 's up to the billion dollar bats i don 't yeah. get this discussion about the ninth hole it's just idiotic well because
5: those other guys you know he's unproven those other guys even though they all went cold at the same time and they did and it was painful to watch they're established hitters you know that you assume that Bryce Harper is going to come back this year and hit 30 plus home runs and Schwarber and Castellanos and you know that their track record Rojas is a young guy who doesn't have a track record that's
4: that's the difference Listen, I agree with that, but I don't, I don't know World Series history as, as much as you guys do, especially uh, McDonald, uh, uh, Jody, because you, your dad was in it for a long time. But at the end of the day, I don't think any team won the World Series because the worst bat in their lineup batted 500 the entire postseason. It's because the, the players that had to play and come through came through. It's it, it just, you know, this team, look, this team, as we noticed, They probably can't compete with Atlanta in 162 games, but when they get to the postseasons, they can win series, and and that's all it's going to take. It's going to take them winning postseason series, uh, and 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 hopefully we're not having this Rojas Pache discussion in in late uh, or early November this year.
3: If you want, if you want to talk about can the Phillies get back to the World Series, Uh, Ranger, Sanchez. Uh, Taiwan Walker. That's a conversation to be had. Uh, How good are they going to be come postseason time? You're right. The Pache Rojas debate is not going to swing the pendulum one way or the other. The three, four, and five starters for the Phillies certainly will.
5: Uh, Very well said. All right, coming up, we'll keep the baseball talk going in the 12 o'clock hour, but we're going to come back with our old pal Mike Garofolo, now a big star in NFL. Uh, NetworkNFL.com, get his thoughts about things happening with the Eagles and around the league in general. 215-592-9494. With Jody Mack, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94WIP.
3: Here's Kansas City from the 19. Throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. With Kyle Hamilton all over him, the matchup you wanted to watch. Kelsey wins it. And the Chiefs drive for an opening
5: touchdown. Well, that, of course, was last week as the Chiefs advance to the Super Bowl where they will be playing the San Francisco 49ers. One guy I know is going to do a great job of covering that. Once upon a time did his best to make Jody and I look not foolish. Uh, Mike And Mike, I know how busy you are. Thanks so much for joining us
2: today. You got it, guys. How are you?
5: We're great. K-M-G. Thanks, We are bud. great. Uh, come back for a reunion one time.
2: I'd love to. Yeah. All right. There, you go. there better be uh, some
5: beer, <laughs> That goes without question. Um, we got a lot of things we want to talk about beyond the Super Bowl, but just off of that and with this mm-hmm. matchup, San Francisco against Kansas City, I was surprised to see the Niners go in as a favorite. I haven't checked the line in the last day or two to see if that's changed. Nope. Am I missing something that it's kind of foolish to believe that Patrick Mahomes is the
2: legitimate underdog here? Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a weird one for me. I mean, I thought to me, it's it's the ultimate coin toss of a Super Bowl and I thought it'd be right around there. I mean, it's not far off from that. It's not like we're talking about a touchdown uh in, in the uh, in the books minds, but uh you know, yeah, to me it's to me it's right around a coin toss. I have a hard time believing that either team runs away with this game. I feel like this is a fourth quarter type game, hopefully as exciting as the last time these two teams played. Um I would probably lean towards uh, Kansas City on this one in Mahomes. I mean, you know, Purdy's Purdy showed me some resilience and uh, the ability to kind of shake off some stuff early in the game and and hang in there and uh, you know that that flatline type of heartbeat that you want from a quarterback in these types of situations. But the guy that's been there four times now, four times now, yeah, um, the, versus the guy that's never been, there, I, I'd lean that way for sure.
3: Let me talk about the highlight that we played right there at the top. Kyle Hamilton draped all over uh, Kelsey, and he still makes a catch, gets the first touchdown in a game that ends up 17-10. It's a huge play. I I don't want to refer to that play. I want to refer to other plays with Travis Kelsey. At least five times every single Chief game I watch, he catches the ball wide open. Like, no other defender within sight of the television screen.
0: How does that
3: happen? We all know it's Mahomes. We all know it's Kelsey. We know that other than Rashi Rice getting on a hot streak, and he may turn into a star wide receiver, but up until the midpoint season, he was a disappointing rookie. The rest of their receivers think, how do teams not double-team Travis (laughs) Kelsey on almost every passing play the, the Chiefs have?
2: I, I got to restrain myself. I try not to tweet during games because it's just a lot of times you can be made to look foolish. Like you tweet something in the first quarter and then the game's completely flipped by the fourth quarter. Uh, but, but you know, you, you you have that tendency to like, hey, you might want to cover 87. And, and, you know, that, that old tweet that you see a bunch, um, it, it, it's not that simple. And I've actually seen them a lot of times uh, in, you know, a, a big type game. Uh, use him and, and kind of run stuff off of him, right? And kind of run stuff behind him and use him to kind of create uh, some eye candy for some other stuff to work. So, you know, maybe a lot of times teams go in thinking that, that that's going to be the case and, hey, you know, don't don't get sucked in too much to focusing on him because they're, they're able to create things off of him. Um, so, I mean, potentially that and also a lot of things happening at, at, at fast uh, pace on, a, on an NFL field and it's like, oh, okay, Two guys see things differently, and all of a sudden he's popping wide open. So, um, you know, you, you, you tip your hat to Matt Nagy and, 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 and Andy Reid, and even before that, uh, Eric Bieniemy when he was there, for the ability to create that kind of stuff uh, to, to, to get defenses to, to leave that guy alone.
5: Mike Garofalo is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Mike, G-A-R-A-F-O-L-O. So, Mike, now that the dust has settled and Nick has kept his job, new coordinators in Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore, uh, does any of this surprise you? And bottom line, how do you think the Eagles emerged here?
2: Yeah, the Vic one did not, um, just because it, it started to be rumored late in the regular season. Like, hey, remember, they wanted to hire him, and he went to Miami and was, you know, sort of pissed that he signed the contract and then uh, would have loved to have gone to Philly if he knew again and was, was, was going to be headed out of there and all that stuff. And it's like, don't be surprised if um, – don't be surprised if he winds up there. Now, the big tip-off to me—this <laughs> is the kind of stuff that that, that I see as part of uh, the media or whatever—they're mm-hmm. hard knocks in season in Miami. You didn't see, you saw every other coach's room, meeting room, and/or office except for Vic. I don't—you didn't see Vic Fangio one time in that entire series, um, and that was by design. And uh, I, I don't think that he was amenable to that. I think he was very. Uh, miserable down there in Miami. And it was like, okay, putting all the pieces together here. This guy wants out. He and McDaniel, we had heard, have not been getting along. Um, so where is he going to go once he's out, obviously? And as soon as he was out, we, we were saying, hey, don't be surprised if he's in Philly. Did not think it was going to happen as quickly as it did, but uh, but it did. So that one didn't surprise me. Uh, Kellen Moore, yeah. I, I didn't know that I would put the pieces together for them to get Kellen Moore because it's it's different from – a lot of the stuff that he wants to do is different from what they had done the last couple of years. But in the end, once I heard their reasoning, I thought, okay, that makes sense. They want to marry what he has done with some of the stuff that, you know, I want to say Nick Sirianni's offense, but we know it's been Brian Johnson and Shane uh, Steichen and also Kevin Petullo, who's a big part of the, the play calling and game planning process uh, as well. So they they said, well, okay, let's, let's, let's try to complement what we've done. Now, this can go the wrong way. I'm not saying it's going to, but I remember the Panthers last year frank reich and what he had done they wanted to marry it with what thomas brown did and the sean McVay type stuff and all that you you, you better make sure it does mesh well and you're able to work together so there is confidence that they will be able to do that with kellen moore and the fact that moore has been an offensive coordinator he was in uh dallas as well they feel like he's got the chops to stand up against what is a veteran coaching staff and to fit in very well with them so we'll see
3: On the Fangio side, uh, certainly comes in with a reputation. His resume is what it is. It's long. It's very uh, highlight-led. But he's an old-school guy, and he's kind of a gruff guy. And the NFL has changed from when Vic Fangio started coaching defenses in the NFL. uh, Using the Eagle roster, which we know there's changes coming to it, is he a fit with the Eagle team as it is currently constituted?
2: Yeah, if, yeah he's a gruff guy. He's, he's an older Italian gruff guy. I had about 10 of them in my family growing up, uh, <laughs> guys, so I know, I know what they're all about. You know um, how to deal with those people? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, listen, if he's in a situation like he was in Miami where he wasn't happy or even at the tail end of him being a head coach in, in Denver, um, there, there's the downside of that. But, you know, the upside of that is he's now in a place where he wanted to be Uh, He worked extremely well with his coaching staff. So uh, you you hope that from a personality standpoint, he's as happy as can be and and, and fits in well with his coaching staff. Um, As for his style, uh, yeah, it didn't work well in Miami. But, I mean, there's some guys down there that, you know, and I'm not surprised that – who was it? Jalen Ramsey was kind of saying, you know. He was one. Oh, yeah. A lot of emojis on social media, yeah. Yeah, but, like, Jalen Ramsey – is happy for about five minutes that he's with the team and then he's miserable and wants out. And 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 I would not be surprised if Jalen Ramsey is asking to be out of Miami again too, by the way. Uh keep an eye on that one. Um but yeah, it's it's he can still relate to this generation of, of athlete. I think there's sometimes an overreaction to we gotta get guys that can relate to the listen, it's still about discipline, it's still about doing things the right way. You know, it's not like this old back in my day. You still need a guy who understands the game, understands the concepts and he does and I would think that uh, he should be an improvement here. So we want to talk to you a little bit about um, all of the, not
5: each individually, but o- the, an overview of the coaching changes around the league. I know Jody wants to get into what happened in Washington, but as it all plays out, there's nobody hires, well, Pete Carroll, but even more so Bill Belichick, one of the great coaches of all time. And when he hit the market, I think the early thought was like, Oh, somebody's going to get Belichick. It's going to be Atlanta, whoever it's going to be. Doesn't happen. Why, bottom line, why did that
2: not happen? Well, there's a couple of reasons that I would say, and I hate saying this. I hate saying this because I don't believe this. Uh, But the notion of, you know, it may have been more Tom Brady than it was Bill Belichick all these years, right? And he's not bringing Brady with him. I I just think it was a perfect marriage of a quarterback who was willing to put up with everything that Bill Belichick was about uh, and buy into it. And when the number one guy in the roster is buying into it, the 53rd definitely has to buy into it. So I just think it worked. I, I, I'm not saying that Bill Belichick is not one of the great coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the the shine has come off his star the last couple of years. So that's that's one thing. Number two, it was going to have to be the, the, the right fit for a team that felt like they could win now. You know, you're not rebuilding. You're not starting over with Bill Belichick, um, which Atlanta's sort of in a rebooting, rebuilding type of role. So I, that, to me, didn't make sense to me. That didn't fit more. So in my mind he was gonna to have to be for a situation like the Chargers, which actually fit with Jim Harbaugh as well. You gotta hit the ground running, uh with him. You had to be in a place where he already had the quarterback as well. So um a lot of pieces certainly didn't fit and, and, and you know, a lot of these owners want a young guy. A lot of these owners want Mike oh, yeah, McDonough. You know? Oh, yeah. They want oh, yeah. that youthful energy. They they don't wanna to have to deal they don't wanna to have to deal with a guy who's miserable half the time and walks around the building
5: with that. I think cowboy. that's a big part of it. I think it's yeah. like if he if he becomes your coach, you basically like you're no longer the owner. You just have to sit and watch. Let Just a quick follow-up on this, and, and I know mm-hmm. Jody wants to get to something. Um, you think Belichick will never coach
2: again? No, I think he will. I think he will. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think he'll be back in this next cycle, and uh, it'll be with a team that just, you know, hey, we, we got to get a guy that we feel like is a proven winner, and he wants to coach again. He wants to get that all-time record. Oh, by the way, that could be the Dallas Cowboys, but
3: that's a uh, discussion Ooh. for another six-hour show somewhere down the road. Um, now, I want to ask you about Washington. And I was proven wrong after the Lions got beat. I started saying Sunday night and looked for their offensive coordinator to land in Washington as next head coach of the uh, Commanders. Yeah. The, the 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 ask for Johnson for the... Uh, first-time head coach salary, and then the quotes thereafter, yeah, a bunch of basketball guys in the interviews, which, of course, includes Joshua Harris, Mr. Sixers' owner, and Bob Myers, the consultant they brought in to just check their general manager hiring and give them insight, and Magic Johnson is a part-time owner The Barbs were going back and forth pretty good that Johnson was asking for an outrageous amount and power and everything else. And Johnson responding by going, yeah, I don't want to go work for a bunch of basketball guys. Yeah. Even though we've removed Dan Snyder from the equation, is Washington still as big a mess as it's always
2: been? No, I don't believe so. And I listen, I've been part of this whole thing. I did a Seattle radio interview the other day. I do a weekly hit with those guys and they asked about Johnson. And I mentioned that, uh, during the interview process, the the shine uh, on his star, uh, came off in Washington's mind. He came into this, Adam Peters, who's the general manager down there. um, Ben Johnson was his guy, from my understanding. And even by the end of the the first round of interviews, um, Peters had kind of talked to the group, and they started to come toward a collective decision where he was not going to get that job. He pulled out of a coaching search in which he was not going to be the guy. Mike McDonald was going to be the guy. They offered Mike McDonald. Seattle also offered Mike McDonald. There was a bidding war, which is why McDonald wound up with the highest uh, salary for a first-time head coach anywhere ever in the NFL. From what I was told, that number, I'm told, is $9 million per year. Wow. Uh, Yeah, so that's the guy that Washington wanted, and people are now – Questioning my reporting and saying that, well, why were they interviewing Ben Johnson a second time if they, he wasn't going to get the job? I don't know. Why were they interviewing Aaron Glenn a second time? He didn't get the job either. Why are we focusing just on Johnson? I mean, you've got a process. He was one of the candidates. And also, by the way, if you missed out on McDonald, which they did, you got to have some fallback options, of which Dan Quinn was one. And if, at some point, you may get yourself back to Ben Johnson. And the other thing is, the second interview... It's like, well, let's go through this again. Maybe he just had an off day. Maybe we missed something. Maybe we're just not communicating well, and let's see if we can get a different vibe this time around. But, again, he pulled out of a coaching search. And, and by the way, part of it, yes, it was not a fit on either side. It did not seem like that was the case. At some point, he didn't want to be there. But before that, I truly believe, because I was told this, we were told, hey, I know everybody's connecting Ben Johnson to, to this gig here. You might want to cool down on that one. It doesn't sound like he's a leading candidate anymore. I was told that before Johnson withdrew. So I stand by everything I have said in that regard. Ben Johnson now needs to come back next year and kind of figure out uh, what the right place is for him and how to go about this process of getting himself a head coaching job.
5: We we are not questioning your reporting, by the way. Just no, you
2: touched a nerve. I'm trying to. <laughs> I, I, that was good. Hey,
5: I, that was a good rant by you. I appreciate good. it. Exactly. Uh, I, I got one more thing I want to uh, explore, which it was very interesting to me that the head coach of Boston College left uh, to become a coordinator with the Packers. Yeah. That's different. That's not, you know, Harbaugh becoming head coach of the Chargers. This is coordinator gig. And I yeah. saw you uh, tweeted in the last day or two that Chip Kelly, our old friend, uh-huh. was apparently sniffing around about coordinator jobs. Um, as big a college football coach as there is, is the his college football not your normal beat, but you know you know everything. It's college yep. football because of NIL, because of the transfer portal, become such a crazy untenable situation that we're going to see more of the college guys leaving for secondary NFL jobs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. And you're right, Chip Kelly was absolutely interested and in, uh, interviewed and went to the Raiders facility multiple times, which was wow. shocking that that stayed under wraps as long as it did. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's I mean, I, I know you said it's not my regular beat, but we were down at the Reese's Senior Bowl last mm-hmm. week. And there were head coaches from the college world that were there. And I spoke to a couple of them and one in particular, I won't say who it was, but one in particular at a big school at a big conference uh, was just talking about how it's just nonstop anymore. And the only time that they really get to chill is in February. I think, I think it's the entire month of February. They're not allowed to have any players on campus. So it's like for one month they can shut down and that is it. But the 11 other months, it's absolutely insane. He was talking about how his wife uh, booked a trip and she was going away at a crucial time for recruiting. He's like, you got it. Like, you, I leave me with four kids. You got to be kidding me. I felt them. <laughs> I felt them on that one. Um, so it, it's, it's a real bear for these guys anymore. Uh, and it has changed. And you're right. I mean, they're, they're, they're leaving for the NFL, uh, not just for these head coaching jobs, but for plum offensive and defensive coordinator jobs if they can get them.
3: And oh, by the way, you don't have to recruit a player once. You got to recruit them four times with NL yeah. and the transfer portal. You got to basically recruit your own team. You're always recruiting 365. It's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I think this is only so, the beginning.
2: Yeah, and they'll tell the players, you know, hey, don't don't transfer or if the guy coming in, hey, yeah, uh, what wh- what do you need? What do you need? I got okay. We'll, we'll come back and get it to you, right? And so they go back and they start having the conversation. And they they, they either promised and then they go they ghost the player or they you know they got to come back and figure out a way to uh, get these deals put together so that they, the 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 kid can be happy and the the school can be happy. It's, it's it's so much more than it used to be. Now listen, in the end, the players are getting money for playing a game that's bringing in uh, buco bucks. So I'm happy about that. Uh, and these coaches have been taking advantage in some cases of these kids for so many years. So it's like, all right, let's tip the scales the other way. So I do. Uh, at some point appreciate the fact that at least the players are getting compensated Uh, fairly or not. They're getting compensated. All
3: right. Last one for me, Mike. Yeah. What's the big deal about cliff Kingsbury? (laughs) I just don't see it. It goes right over my head. Uh, He ran a quasi successful air raid offense in college, went to the Cardinals, got off to a good start, cratered, uh, takes time off, comes back, did something at USC this past year. I'm not sure what between you and I, I think Caleb Williams had a lesser season this year than he did last year.
2: What's the infatuation with Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah. Well, the NFL for years has been borrowing from this air raid offense. And, uh, and that was a big part of what the Patriots did with Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady for a number of years. And uh, these concepts are, are, are timeless in a lot of ways. Um, So that's always going to keep him as somebody in the forefront of people's minds. I don't think he was a good head coach. Uh, as a matter of fact, when he was a head coach, we kept hearing from, you know, people around the team or agents that had players saying their players are always complaining that there's nobody running practice. We go out and he's running the offense. The defense coordinator running the defense. And there's no head coach of the team. So he didn't even seem like he had an interest in being a head coach. So I think a lot of these head coaches now that, that have been courting him, Antonio Pierce, Dan Quinn, uh, even the Eagles had a conversation with him. It was like, "Well, if he could just stay in his lane and do what he does and not worry about being the head coach, and he's not a real good disciplinarian as well um and he's just an offensive coordinator can bring these concepts we can we can use that right and and his running game this is what I kept hearing by the way, you know you guys think he's just this uh air raid passing game no he 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 was good with the running game, go look at the numbers, and yeah, a lot of that was Kyler Murray scrambling, but that's a big part of what any team does anymore. And he's more of a balanced attack kind of guy. So that's what I hear uh from behind the scenes uh with regard to Cliff Kingsbury and his ability as an offensive coordinator, Jody. I mean, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. It's not like he revolutionized. I mean, I do remember covering a Cardinals, the Cardinals Ravens game, uh, his first year. It was one of their first couple of games. I was in the locker room after the game, and the Ravens D-backs were talking amongst themselves, and I was kind of sort of part of the conversation, but more or less eavesdropping, uh, talking about how, man, they had us on skates and some of the stuff that we saw. Man, that was brutal to have to kind of figure out and all that stuff. So, you know, I can understand why coaches and defensive coaches and even some players uh, garner the respect for what he's able to do schematically. All
5: right. I'm going to send you out with this. Um, mm-hmm. Give us a just... Off the top of your head, prediction the biggest off season story of the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be.
2: Oh man, the biggest offseason. Well, I think it's gonna be Jalen. I, mean, I think it's gonna be Jalen and and uh, you know, his ability to kind of be that leader. I mean, we're already starting to hear it's amazing how the the, the storyline is.
5: Yeah, the narrative the, changes. It's like
2: rinse, but it's like rinse and repeat. It's the same stuff you heard about Wentz on the way no, down. Well he's got he's got I mean this is this is a lot of times you hear this about a quarterback, particularly in that market. I mean, listen, it's I, I I bounce around the league. It's it's if not the toughest, one of the toughest markets to play in, more so than even the New York market. Although the Jets, their guys get hammered for for a lot of stuff. Um, it, it it can be a runaway train. Like he's got to he's got to hit the brakes on this runaway train and turn this thing around and get it moving back in the right direction. I think that's the biggest storyline for the Eagles this offseason. All right. Mike Garofalo, listen, it's always a
5: pleasure to catch up with you. Um, yep. We've known you for a long time. Just respect the hell out of everything you do, and, and I know you, you took time away from your family. It doesn't get enough time to see you,
2: so go. Go play with your <laughs> daughter. You got it, guys. You don't hear them in the background. That means they're not within a half-a-mile radius. Though, nice. you know uh,
3: they, <laughs> thanks a ton, <laughs> pal. Do some catching up, Mike. You got it, guys. Thank All you.
5: Right. See you later. Great guy. He, uh, he's one of those who made it to the big time, who started out at WIP. He was our Did. producer way back at the beginning, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, he is one of
3: – and everyone's got their own evaluation. We get, this, this week is an evaluation week. We're evaluating players at the senior bowl, whatever. You asked me earlier, evaluate uh, the announcers for the major networks and the like. Mm-hmm. Mike Garofalo is an inside information type guy that I just trust what he says. Some people, I think, are motivated by who can I continue to get information on, and you judge them after the fact, facts come out. But I always trust everything Garofolo says. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, but I just flat out trust him.
5: Yeah, I think the word is agenda. He has no agenda nope. other than the truth. Yeah. By the way, before we go to break, I was just looking, you, you know, I mean, you, don't, you post on Facebook, but not a lot, but I post on Facebook, usually show related stuff. It's six years ago today was the Super Bowl. Yeah, Nikki Poles. Six years we gotta come back with that. It was six years. I I I I it just didn't occur to me that it was six years ago. It was like the greatest day as a Philadelphia sports fan. It was six years ago today. Philly really oh, special. God. Yep. Oh gosh. All right, so do you want to hear Jody coming back, the Philly special or the strip sack? because Derek Barnett actually
3: played well after he left here, <laughs> and I beat the snot out him basically on a regular basis. Yeah. Give me Philly special points.
5: All right, that's good. All right. Uh, Justin, can we count on that coming back? Absolutely. There you go. All right, we'll come back with that. We want to take your calls. We've, we've thrown a lot out today, got into the Philly some, which was a lot of fun with Todd Zalecki and some good calls on that, uh, and the Eagles and some league stuff. We started the show talking about Joel Embiid. And the return yesterday night of Ben Simmons. Boo! Uh, so, really, whatever's on your mind, we got uh, about half an hour left to take your calls on that. 215 592 9494 with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. The Bet Parks Casino and
3: Sportsbook app
5: has you covered for betting on your favorite
3: sports and playing all your favorite casino games. If you're a sports better, uh, NBA action now, got a big. A football game coming up next sunday not only on the line but player performances man there'll be a lot of player prop bets uh this week flying around the bet parks app is the only sports betting app that i use and recommend because it's safe secure and very easy to use join me download the app right now and play all your favorite casino games they're right there at your fingertips. Odds, bets, slots, games, it's in your pocket. The casino comes to you wherever you are. Play with a live dealer on your phone. Enjoy blackjack, roulette, back rack, Texas Hold'em. Play all the online slots. The great games like Divine Fortunes and Cleopatra. And for you new users, if you've never played with parks before, you got the itch to join, download the app right now and get up to $1,000 casino bonus back if you're down in your first 24 hours of casino play. That's New users only. Casino bonus must be wagered. Some terms and conditions apply. See website at betparks.com for details. You love to play. You play to win. You bet. Bet Parks.
9: Foles moves to the runner.
3: Right.
4: It goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick and Foles. a touchdown by Nick Foles.
9: A little, listen, a little razzle dazzle by Doug. Yeah.
5: Oh Jody. It was the greatest. It was it was just such a shocker right before the first half. Oh, they're gonna kick the field goal, take the points, go with the lead. We all know the famous shot of Nick Foles going up to uh uh Doug, Peterson. Me, Doug Peterson, thank you. I I kept I, I was gonna say Sirianni. Going up to Doug Peterson. <laughs> you want Philly special? Yeah, let's do it. And they do, and it's great. By the way, Ray Dinger's uh son Dave shot that. Uh, right. That exchange. And um, my my brother-in-law's brother is the one who wired up Nick Foles before the game for that. So I, we, nice. I got a personal relationship. But it was the greatest. And I, the thing is, it was six years ago today, and it's starting to fade back to me. But, you know, the rear, further and further back in the rearview mirror for me. Um, I
3: don't know what year it was, but for the longest time, I didn't have – a uh, div- not uh, D uh, V R, uh, yeah, D V R, not V C R. Yeah, Because I I had uh, uh, the V C R player forever, so I would just tape things. But I finally broke down and said, "Let me get this." It's still one of the things that I have saved.
5: In yeah, me too. Well, old, I have it on my phone. I have it on my phone.
3: I I got it on my TV. It's tied into my I, I'm. Uh, it, it will be erased by accident by someone other than me when it disappears
5: from my ability to go back and watch it any time that I want. Um, but it's, it's funny because it now seems too far in the past. Like when the Phillies won in 08, that kept me good for like five years, right? As a fan, it's like, okay, we got our championship. I'm still feeling good, top of the world. And then it and then started to feel old. And then like, okay, well, 2018, Eagles won. It's like, okay, this is keeping me going. Now, yeah, I'm getting to the point where I need another one. And we – both teams this year had such an opportunity to do it, and both teams disappointed. Yes, was a tough finish to the season for our baseball uh, football teams. Yeah. All
7: right, let's talk to
5: Clay in Kansas City. Good Eagles fan out there. What's going on, Clay?
7: Hey, Glenn, how you doing, man? Good. And, and Jody. And Jody. Hey, bud. hey uh, you're right. I mean, I, I'm like the biggest Eagles fan in Kansas City. I've been taking a lot of grief this week. A neighbor of mine said last week, "Hey, when are the Eagles playing?" And um, I was like. Easy bud. But uh anyway, it's kinda hard being out here in this red uh, this red hell after the last year's Super Bowl.
5: Mm, but oh gosh, um, yeah.
7: <laughs> a couple comments I wanted to make first on both coordinators. First of all, with this Vic Fangio, I like to hire. But if they don't fix the I mean, we all know this. If they don't fix the middle of this defense, it doesn't matter who you have in there at coordinator. And you know, I like N'Kobe Dean a lot, but one of the biggest abilities you gotta have as a professional athlete. Is availability. This is three years in a row now because he was hurt his last year at Georgia, Mm. you know? So that's a concern. And then one, a couple comments on the offense, and then I'll let you go. I'll listen off the air. Well, Um, I got a question for you, so don't go anywhere, but go ahead. Okay. So, specific to Jalen Hurts, he did regress this year. I've always Mm. had, because I watched a lot of Oklahoma being here in the Midwest, I've always had concerns about his arm strength, and that's an issue. He is not Pat Mahomes. He is not Josh Allen. Can he be a great quarterback? I think he showed us that last year in the Super Bowl. I'm I keep grasping on that Super Bowl performance as kind of a warm blanket when you you know when you think about the way he looked this year. Um my issue with the scheme this year was I spent all last off season thinking they're going to come up with a lot of exotic stuff off that tush push, you know, to keep teams guessing. Yeah. And they just didn't. I mean all year long I'm like can't you guys do something other yeah. than just, you know, have Jalen absorb these crazy hits? Well, they generally and, and didn't like,
5: have to because it worked ninety percent of the time. They there was once or twice yeah. where they did, but I was waiting for them to do it at a time when it you know really exactly. really was yeah, and they didn't. All right, before and, we let you, you, know, you go, I, I got something for you, <laughs> okay. which is I'm I'm doing a project for my TV show where I'm getting a beer from all fifty states. And Jody, when you're on the show, you'll get the chance to try some of these.
7: Uh, I got a
5: a Saison from Boulevard Brewing out in Kansas City. You you ever been to Boulevard Brewing?
7: Boulevard is like if you're going to drink a beer that's locally brewed in Kansas City, you start and finish with Boulevard. I mean, they've been around a long time. They are owned now, I believe, by, like, I'm not a beer connoisseur. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a Modelo guy, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, (laughs) I do do enjoy Boulevard Wheat. Um, But, yeah, they're really good beer. I mean, they're really well-known. And if you go in the Midwest, you know, Yingling's entered into the Midwest. I know. So if you go around the Midwest now, uh, you, and, and I will tell you, Yingling has replaced Stella in this part of the country as the primary beer on tap. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. So, well, you're hey, doing guys, your part,
5: go. I'm sure, for that.
7: Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, I am, sir. All right, well, thanks. So, um, hey, hey guys, have a great day. And, all right, thank uh, you.
5: Thanks, bud. Thanks. Appreciate all that. Right, yeah, Joey, me, I'm, I'm trying to get a make... beer from uh, all sorry. 50 states. No, I'm just I'm trying to get a beer from all 50 states to try. So. I got my one from Missouri. That's, that's, so you're taken
3: care of there. I did say one thing that I do disagree with.
5: Um, yes, I, and, and I will too. It's
3: it, it just it just seems it won't go away. We've now been watching Jalen Hurts for several years. Why do people keep questioning his arm strength?
5: I don't think that's the issue. I don't, of, uh, of
3: the of the mm-hmm. questions and their are questions raised with the season that Jalen had. That'd be about number ten on my list. He doesn't have Patrick Mahomes' arm. Well, who does? All right, so he doesn't have the gun that Mahomes or Josh Allen have. Well, neither does Joe Burrow, but he got to a Super Bowl. Neither does Jalen Hurts, but he got to a Super Bowl. Is that the only comparison we can make to the two strongest arm quarterbacks in the NFL? If you don't have that arm, you've got a questionable arm.
5: Yeah, no, I don't think. Listen, here's my, my issues with him this year, and feel free to add to it. I thought one was he just bailed on plays too quickly. Uh, he, he became predictable. This is coaching, too, just always kind of, you know, rolling out to the right and and looking and looking and looking um, when there were guys open that he didn't throw to. Um, I think that he threw into coverage sometimes this year. I think that his his height makes him susceptible to getting balls blocked down at the line of scrimmage. Um I mean, all of these things, and, and I'm not saying I don't think he can be a terrific quarterback, but those are my concerns. My concern is in his arm strength. And
3: this is my biggest concern. And I am i don't want to say I'm on an island by myself here, but I don't know that I've heard too many other people uh, suggest that this was an issue this year. I think they put way too much on his plate. I think they asked because he had such a great year. He's still a relatively young quarterback. He's not an eight-year NFL veteran. But I thought that the offense this year, probably at the direction of Brian Johnson more so than Sirianni, they just gave him carte blanche. That every single play, I've mentioned this, I know, a couple times here on WIP, that twice Brian Johnson went to this in the month of December in his media availabilities when people were questioning, why don't we run the ball, just run the damn ball, run the ball, run the ball. He said, you know, every play we go to the line of scrimmage, there's a run pass option and Jalen checks the defense and calls out the play that he think will work better against that defense. On a, I just don't think he was real good at it. Yeah. I think that was an issue and a problem, and they never addressed it, and they just stuck with it, and it co- helped cost Brian Johnson his job. Um, I think they gave him too much latitude. I think they gave him more than he could handle this year.
5: Yeah. um, So I'm optimistic he will bounce back and become one of the I don't know, six to eight best quarterbacks in the league. I don't want to put him in the top five, but I think he he could certainly be right after that on a year-in and year-out basis. Um, But those are my concerns, and I'm hoping that, you know, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback coach. We don't know who the quarterback coach is going to be.
3: No, they did. You didn't see? Oh, uh, no. I saw they named the
5: defensive line coach who looks like he should play defensive line.
3: No, no, no. Uh, I think it broke late last night. Doug Nussmeier, has been – Kellen Moore's quarterback coach is four years as the O.C. in Dallas, and he went to L.A. with him this past year. When he went to the Chargers, he brought uh, Nussmeier with him. It was pretty much a done deal from the time that Moore was hired that Nussmeier was going to be the next quarterback coach, and it made it official last night.
5: Okay. Well, good. So new offensive coordinator, new system, which I'm good with, new quarterback coach. Um, I think it's – I have optimism that Jalen Hurts will return to top form. You? As do I, yes.
3: I think the talent is there. I think he was mishandled this year. And one thing that I think too many people, both in the Eagle hierarchy and Eagle Nation with the fans, thought, oh, Brian Johnson, perfect hire. They, they're tight. Yeah. He's known him since he was four years old. Yeah, right. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. And I just don't think it worked, and I no, don't think their work. relationship was good. So to bring in an outsider to just kind of push Jalen and maybe give Jalen uh, more to think about and less to actually have to do on the field could be very advantageous for the birds.
5: 100% agree, 100%. 215-592-9494. Uh, we will take your calls, kick around a couple of things. And we'll find out what's on the mind of Justin Morgenstern, what we forgot to talk about. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. (laughs) Jody and Glenn, 94 WIP. We'll turn over our producer in a moment uh, to find out what we forgot to talk about. Rob Ellis coming up, by the way, at 2 o'clock. Always love listening to Rob. Um, Just want to – just to, uh, to to wrap up, Jody, excuse me, A back to Joel Embiid, who we started with, because it's such a shame. He's going to be 30 soon, uh-huh. and big guys, it's rare that big guys dominate past 32, 33. I mean, Kareem did, Olajuwon did, but big guys can't age like the smaller guys. Smaller guys can play forever. Big guys don't. And I just wonder how many more chances we're going to have of Embiid getting that opportunity, being the the center, and I mean that both as the position and, like, the center piece of a contender that I really – I worry and hope it's wrong that Joel Embiid will never get that opportunity to bust through it and and go for a title. It's scary. It really is um,
3: because – Again, I I choose not to talk about the process because it just gets off topic or whatever. But he's it. That is it. The only remnants left of the process, because Joel Embiid was part of the process. He's the prize piece of the process. If and when we realize it's not happening with Joel Embiid, it's just going to rub salt in old, old wounds that I would rather not reopen at this stage. But uh, the facts are the facts. And I think it was Carl who said, uh, talking about uh, Nakobi Dean, your number one ability is your availability. And that has been an issue with Joel Embiid throughout his entire career. And you're right. The shelf life of big men just yeah. isn't what you want it to be. We started with two years of watching Joel sit on the bench uh not even getting into games and we're once again facing a decision on what do you do for now for the future how do you judge the future and what the future is going to be with joel's
5: health it's not good g Mack. yeah and he was really i mean he was playing as well as he ever did he's averaging 35 points a game it was, the, he had the fourth best scoring average since the nba aba merger which was what in the 70s late 70s and um yeah, and now were, it you, were you
3: watching the other night when he got set? The other night, it's now two weeks ago. I watched. Um, I got set, yeah,
5: I was not, and then I looked at social media on my phone, and it's like he was up to like fifty or something. So I turned and I saw the end of it. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. I know you you were
3: in, right? You, I, well, I, was, uh, I I was I I. Or maybe it was my tweet, one of the tweets you saw, because when he got up near the 50 point, I said, if you're not watching the Sixer game, you might, might want to tune in, because he may get a 70 spot tonight. And damn it if he didn't hit 70 did. right on the nose. And yeah. that's what I tweeted out a little ahead of time. I was so happy to be on the air that night afterwards. And I was watching the entire game, and I was on shoot the game ended like 15 minutes before I had to get on the air, which was absolutely perfect. Yeah. and, and. You think about what's happened the last three weeks, g Eagles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we're a little optimistic. Put the eagle-colored glasses on. It'll come back together for the playoffs. Eh, they get crushed by Tampa Bay. Um, Joe Embiid gets 70, then he gets hurt, and he, they've lost five out of six. Eh, Flyers playing well over their heads. Oh, we're going to get a playoff run out of this Flyer team. They lose five in a row before the All-Star game. What the hell happened the last three weeks? Yeah, and by GMAT? the way,
5: the 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 franchise goalie will likely never play for the team again. Oh, you're going that far? Uh, we talked to Anthony Sanfilippo yesterday, and he said he's listen. He's a restricted free agent, or or a free agent at the end of the year. He believes that Carter Hart has played his last game in a really, fight. yeah, yeah.
3: Wow, that yeah, surprises me. I'm
5: not going to argue with that. Yeah,
3: here's the reason I'll I'll, I'll question it and. I won't, say I won't agree with it, but I won't just sign off on it either. This has nothing to do with his time in Philadelphia. I know. This was something that happened before he ever put a Flyer jersey on. So if there was a tie to Philadelphia, and maybe it's just better for him to go in another direction, the Flyers to go in another direction, I would understand it. This has nothing to do with Philadelphia. This has to do before he ever got here. So I'm not ready to go there yet
5: to say the – flyers and he are ready to move on from each other i don't know we uh, as a wise man i worked with at one time said we shall see what we shall see and now we shall see what is in the mind uh and what we forgot to talk about from our producer justin morgenstein and I believe Justin I probably called you Morgan Stern half the time. And I apologize for that.
11: Ah, it's okay. You know, it, there there have been worse butchers on this station so far. But I will say, uh, big night last night for Doc Rivers as the he gets the one twenty nine one seventeen win, his first win as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And as a result, or as a result of Joe Missoula coaching the All Star team last year, he will be the head coach of the Eastern Conference All Stars after just coaching three games for the Milwaukee Bucks, which is you know, pretty amazing.
3: That's a joke. <laughs> That's just a joke. Uh, yeah. The Doc should not be coaching the All-Star team. I'm sorry. He he, he backed into a job, and now you're going to make him the All-Star coach just because Milwaukee's got the second-best record in the East. Um, I, I, And not not because they finished strong, but I say, Nick Nurse, you've got to skip over, Doc. You have to have been the coach for the entire first half to be eligible to coach the All-Star team.
5: I think they should go to the guy that got fired in Milwaukee. Let him do it. <laughs> all right, what else you got?
11: Yeah, so last thing I got here is, I don't know if you guys heard this yesterday, but the Dodgers had a team charity event, I believe, and it was one of the first times since, you know, they've made all these signings that a bunch of the players have been able to speak to the media and just, kind of share their thoughts on the offseason. And uh, Mookie Betts was being interviewed, and he said something I'm going to play here, you know, pretty interesting about uh, the other team's mentalities as they play the Dodgers this year.
8: I mean, every every game is going to be the other team's World Series. I mean, it is what it is. It's what we signed up for.
11: Again, like Doc Rivers, feels so terrible for Mookie and the Dodgers that this is what they signed up for, and this is what they have to deal with all year. Mm. But that uh, clip I can see being played thousands of times once they, you know, if they choke in the playoffs like they have the past few years and even during the regular season once they lose. And I'll tell you what, they're going to have a target on their back. He is right about that. But I don't know if I would have worded it exactly like Mookie did. I would
5: not have worded it that way. Arizona was the team in the World Series, so people are going to look at that. As we talked about earlier, the Braves look pretty damn good, so you can't forget about that. The Dodgers are there, and I wouldn't put the Phillies that far behind. So if that's the case, Jody, there will be multiple targets. Agreed, and yes, I think
3: uh, Justin is absolutely right. That quote has shelf life, that it will be revisited as the year goes on.
5: Uh, Jody, when are you next on uh, 94 WIP? That
3: would be tomorrow night, uh, my usual two Monday-Tuesday shifts, 10 to 2. Looking forward to doing both of them. Um, yeah, hopefully we have some Embiid news by the time I get on tomorrow night. Because they did say they were probably going to make the decision on Monday whether he gets the procedure done or not. I think the Sixers are in trouble either way the decision comes down.
5: Yeah, I think they're probably in trouble as well. Uh, great job, Justin. Jody, you said you were going to be on CBS Radio later That would today? be
3: correct some um, five hours from now. So I'll get the uh, flag football in, look for a little college uh, basketball. <laughs> get the flag football, football in. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay
5: busy getting ready for my shift tonight on CBS. Sports well, there you Sunday. go. I'm taking my dad out to dinner tonight. That's what I'm nice. doing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to hanging Has he out gotten over more.
3: that Buffalo playoff loss yet? Or
5: Yeah, he's... Listen, he's been dealing with those losses for a lot of years. They they roll off. That's why my dad, you know, does so well. Yeah, he's still
3: still at the top of his game at his advanced age because he doesn't
5: let that stuff drive him nuts. Exactly right. Justin, good job by you. Stay tuned. Rob Ellis coming up next right here on 94 WIP.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours